Wrestling Geeks Alliance. How are you doing out there you know, in the land of, of, of the Geek Vibes Nation? You know, you guys are uh, hopefully doing good. We got another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance ready for you guys today or night, whenever you listen to this. Uh, new listeners, we usually do this show recorded on a Saturday. We have it out by Sunday or Monday. So if you're new, subscribe to us, listen every week, and uh, give us some feedback. We'd love that. But we'll go over all our tags and whatnot at the end of the show. Uh, this show's episode is going to be probably called Good Wrestling. Because <laughs> that's what we had this last week. Uh, and we're just going to basically go over the four shows of the two WWE shows and the two um, AEW shows. And, of course, there's some little news, a little bit of controversy here and there. But we'll cover them because they're part of the shows, you know? So good or bad or indifferent, whatever. I I really think that if you are a wrestling fan and you watch WWE and AEW and you don't have, like, this weird bias that, you, that most people have to do today, you can probably say to yourself, you weren't terribly bored or angry at all throughout mostly the WWE stuff, let's be honest with you. But to discuss this further with me, my co-host, Christopher, brother, Ray Pedro! Hey, everyone. Uh, man, even if you're just an AEW fan or if you're just a New Japan fan, uh, this past week was a great week for wrestling because the G1 finals also occurred and were awesome. Um, but yeah, this week was a, it was a good week for me, man. I didn't really have too much going on. How was your week? Good. Um, I think you're the one who suggested it. I could be wrong, but I finally watched the show, The Offer, um, and I thought it was an excellent uh, show. Um, were you the one who mentioned that to me, Chris, a couple weeks back that I should check that out? Yeah, I, I was definitely talking about it on the show. I finished watching it, I guess it was two or three weeks back now, so we w- it's something we would have definitely talked about on the show. Uh, I think it was a it's it's a great show, man. I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait for the second season because we're not we're still not done yet. I was like, I thought this was going to be like a one season thing when I first started watching it, because <laughs> it kind of like you know it heads into the production um, kind of by the end of the season. So I was surprised that they were able to get a second season out of it. But uh, yeah, good shit, man. It's a real fun story. I think the acting in it's great, and uh, definitely looking forward to that second season. So you so you dug it? Oh, I dug it, man. And I think. I think Miles Teller is a movie star. I think that he's going to be big in the next couple of years. Between that and Maverick, I mean, I've liked him ever since Whiplash. Um, he doesn't, like, his acting is good, but he's not, I haven't seen, although I never saw that boxing movie he was in, so maybe I can find more diversity. He seems very much himself, but he commits to the roles he's in and is just really good at being this confident, you know, style presence. And uh, I'm hoping... That he does well, but the whole entire fucking cast was incredible. Everyone in it. Um, Matthew Good was great. 
Uh, I don't know how you do that, like, nasally voice the whole entire time, but he he, he nailed it. And, uh, yeah, I was just flabbergasted. I'm about to watch the trilogy this weekend, probably, when I find some time. Or at least watch the first one. Yeah, I was going to say, man, that's it. It's about nine hours. <laughs> so you'll be unloading quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, I Have love you- the two the characters, uh, I, and I'm bad with actors' names, so I'm just going to say the characters' names. The the guy that plays Mario Puzo in the show, uh, and the guy that plays uh, Ford Coppola in the show. I think they're incredible, especially their relationship together is probably probably my favorite thing on the show. Um, but it's it's just really really fun to watch. Like there's there's scenes where it's just those two writing that are fucking hilarious and just yep. shoveling food in their mouths. <laughs> yeah, I love that the part where one of them's like, "Do you smell that?" No, not really. And then, then it's like, actually, I smell it too now. And it's them, basically, because they haven't done anything besides eat and fucking try to figure out the script. Um, yeah, I loved it, man. And I know I watched this Seth Rogen motherfucker just get so angry about how it might not be 100% historically accurate. And it's like, I don't think people just understand the, the entertainment industry. You know, I hate to tell you guys, but there was a lot missing from the Queen movie that was kept out because of Brian May's respect for Freddie Mercury. You got to make a a good film that's entertaining or a good show that's entertaining to watch. So this guy was just so angry, like this wouldn't have happened. And then I listened to a mob boss or an ex, I should say, an ex member of the mafia. I forgot what his name is, but he has his own podcast and he was confirming a lot of it. He was definitely saying that certain things were over exaggerated. But uh, just learn how to enjoy stuff as entertainment and realize that it doesn't have to be 100%, you know, the way of the story. It's still got to be something that people watch. So fuck off and uh, enjoy The Godfather. Enjoy the offer. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going in. It's, I didn't know that there was that much that kind of happened around the movie. I knew that there was that the mob was kind of pissed off about the book and, and the making of the film. But uh like a lot of the stuff tying into Frank Sinatra, I'm sure was a little over exaggerated. Um, but you know, the relationship between the producer and that mob boss, that's legitimate. And that goes in his death. there. Well, I guess I don't know. I don't want to go too much into it, but a, a lot of the stuff, like you were saying is kind of confirmed and legitimate and out there. But if you just want to watch a making of, I mean, fucking the Godfather's on Blu-ray and there's director's commentary and all sorts of shit. You can go back if you just want to see that. Um, but yeah, it's, these kind of movies are made to be entertaining. They're not supposed to be a one for one reality of what happens and unless it's an actual documentary, which this is not, this is a show. I'd be like, if you're watching Aquarius and you're like, uh, this is not exactly how that Charles Manson thing went down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause there was a bunch of eyewitnesses there to be able to, you know, tell us exactly what happened. It's just, uh, that's how people are. It's, you know. The way that it was shot, everything else about it, I thought it was really well uh, done. And, uh, and I liked learning a lot of the stuff. And, you know, I thought it was a fun show. And I, I think that's that's all that matters. And, you know, now that it's available, I don't know how long it's been available. Maybe it popped up uh, because I watched this. But along with, you know, obviously the two movies, even though they're long as fuck, but Godfather, Godfather 2. Did you know that... Um, Francis Ford Coppola did a new, like, redone, like, uh, take on the third one, which is honestly the weakest movie probably in the history of trilogies, I would say, for a lot of stuff. You know, to me, just completely fell off compared to the first two. 
But uh, there's a new edited version, and I think I'm just going to watch that uh, instead of watching the third one. Uh, yeah, I did hear that he had done like a second a second take on it. I haven't watched it. I mean, the biggest problem with that movie is that they had issues writing the script, and then they recasted the primary role like three or four times, right? Because Winona Ryder was casted in that role at one point in time. So the third movie is always just kind of – it had its problems even before they got into production from what I recall. But it's been forever since I watched the third movie. It's like once you see it once, you don't necessarily need to see it. See yeah. it again. Whereas the first two, I generally watch them. I would say about once a year because they start coming on TV around Thanksgiving. I don't necessarily watch them on TV, but you know, you'll be flipping through the channels and they always show it because there's the family dinner scenes and in those films. And I guess I don't know somebody at BBC America is like, hey, you know, we should show The Godfather on Thanksgiving. Um, so around it. that time of year, I see that and then I'm like, okay, I should watch these two. Uh, movies again but then the problem is is then now then now i want to watch casino i want to watch goodfellas i want to watch yeah uh, it, it just goes into like a a vibe there for a bit that's not a bad vibe to have if you ask me you know um but yeah that's just uh I'll, I'll be watching them and uh good stuff i mean they did exactly what they were trying to go for and i mean that's that's all i gotta say about that that's it that's all i gotta say uh, outside of that, man, the only thing the only thing that I really watched, I guess that's more current, would be the the new Elvis film. I watched that. I thought it was really really enjoyable. Um, the soundtrack is really great. Gary Clark Jr. is kind of sprinkled all over the first thirty minutes of it. Who, I, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, the the main actor who plays Elvis, I thought was fucking great. So if you haven't seen that, that's also worth a watch. I think that might be uh, since I believe it comes out at the end of this month. Um, or both of them will be around the same time on streaming, unless that one's already on streaming. I meant when it's like four bucks, five bucks. I don't want to fucking pay nineteen dollars, okay? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. My buddy, my buddy, us. my buddy missed the black phone by a week. He didn't realize it was dropping in price, and I was, he's like, yeah, I, I had a, I had to spend twenty dollars on it, so I just bought it for twenty three or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, this weekend it's now I just watched it for four dollars. And he's like, God damn it, son of a bitch. But. <laughs> yeah, my wife watched that movie and she really enjoyed it, but I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. But it is on Buddy, my it's, list. It's, uh, actually, I don't want to give I don't want to say what I was about to say. It's, it's pretty good. Like, it's not amazing, but it was a damn good horror movie. And Scott Derrickson made um, he made uh, Emily Rose. Exorcism of Emily Rose, which was a court drama about an exorcism, and then Sinister. Mm. And I love both those horror movies. He also did Doctor Strange, a little film for Marvel. Uh, but his his idea and perception on horror, and the fact that he doesn't rely on jump scares, it's more like well-thought-out stuff. He's just another one of those guys out today that's just impressive what they're doing with um, elevated horror. Hmm. I remember liking Sinister okay. I don't I, – I, the Emily Rose, Exorcism of Emily Rose, I wasn't a huge fan of. But this the, – the concept of that movie and, like, the idea behind it, I think I'm a little more into than either of those two films. So uh, something I'm going to check but, out. My wife seemed to like it a lot. Would you be terrified – you know, no lie – if you woke up and Karen wasn't in bed and then you looked on the floor and she was all contorted like Emily Rose was in that fucking movie? Because – 
I'm sorry. I'm I'm done at that point. I don't, I don't even marriage. I don't fucking know, man. Uh, I, I probably more so. Yeah, if it would ha- if it was happening to me in real life, I would say I would say yes. Uh, but the problem is, is they've. I mean, there's been so many exorcism movies over the years that I guess oh, yeah. I'm kind of just numb to that. The especially the body contorting because you see that in like ghost films as well. So a lot of that stuff just doesn't doesn't really do it for me anymore. Uh, they kind of hit the mark with the Exorcist, and then everything. That Reagan and Samara were the best two at that, and after that, it kind of became shtick, if you will. And Reagan definitely did it the the most in the Exorcist, like you said in the original. Um, but oh, what what I was trying to say is though, Blonde's coming out soon, and I definitely want to check that out. And I I kind of want to do Blonde and the Elvis movie, kind of back to back, because Blonde's about Marilyn Monroe. And it's coming out, I believe, on Netflix. But I don't know if you saw a trailer when I shared that. It's a minute long. They have a two-minute one, too, that's really well done. But the minute-long one, it just looks like it's going to be really fucked up, but really just showing the story about Marilyn Monroe. So I'm looking forward to that movie because I'm obsessed with that era of Hollywood. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cool era. I haven't seen the trailer, but I'll definitely check it out after our show. And uh, I, I want to know who the hell they have playing Joe DiMaggio. That's the real... <laughs> The <laughs> real question for me there. I'm assuming uh, that they're going to go into to uh, Bobby, Marilyn Monroe's uh, marriage. Ooh, interesting choice. So that yeah. that'll be uh that'll be cool. I've always liked him whenever he's popped up between the Irishman and uh, w- that movie with uh, the other guys where he's the cop <laughs> and he yeah. convinces fucking Will Ferrell to shoot uh, the top of that. But uh, yeah, and then Anna Diarmas, uh, or I think I pronounced that right. Uh, Anna Diarmas. She's been in a bunch of shit. She's playing Marilyn Monroe. It looks great. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about that. Should we talk about wrestling or do we have anything else to get out? Um, uh, nah, we might as well get to these really great wrestling shows that we had this past week. If, if uh, these two companies can keep up this clip, it'll be it'll be a fun rest of the year of wrestling. That's for sure. Absolutely. OK, so here's the question. I've seen this debated. This is kind of something outside of it. But involving this, do you think. Well, I'm slapping my leg. Do you think that it might be important for Tony to consider moving Rampage to another day at a normal time, even considering two hours as a format? Apologize for that. Someone just decided to fucking drive like I thought I thought that was your mufflers. I, I thought that your brain was like going into gears when I asked you that. Like, uh, yeah, so apologies on that, but uh, I we've been saying that for quite a while because the problem is, is it comes on at ten o'clock. Even even if you remove SmackDown from the equation, um, it, it comes on so late, you know. And I, I, showing things on Friday night in general, I don't necessarily know is the best. I mean, pretty much anyone that's going to go out and do something, it's usually on a Friday or Saturday. So you're putting your show there and then asking them to potentially watch a pay-per-view the very next night. I just, I I don't like that. If you're going to do it, I would say move it earlier, like move it to like the six o'clock hour from six to seven or seven to eight, which we've talked about in the past. But uh, a lot of that has to do with that NBA schedule and the NHL schedule and how they have to already shuffle things around. So I don't, that might play into it as well, but I kind of would agree tend to agree with you i think it's better it would be better to move it to a different night just so it's not so stacked up but then again now you're asking if you if you have if you're trying to pull in that wwe audience you're asking them to spread the wrestling out potentially across four days because you would have monday 
uh, for Raw. Then you have Tuesday NXT. Then you would have, you know, let's say Wednesday or Thursday. Well, you have Wednesday would be Dynamite. And then I guess you would move it to Thursday or like Saturday. Which is where if you do Thursday, it's weird. Even if you did on Tuesday and said, fuck NXT again. (laughs) But uh, not that I want that to happen, everyone. Chill out. Uh, But, you know, um, if you had it on Tuesday or, or most likely Thursday, it's it's the day before your your big show or the day after. So it's still kind of awkward. But if they even do it in this format, one hour, eight o'clock, it's usually pre-recorded. Maybe Thursday isn't a bad day for it. You know, I don't know. Yeah, they, the only thing I don't like I said, I don't know what how that sports schedule. schedule plays into that, because if they, if it's. If the NBA and NHL are only giving them games on Thursdays or when, you know, because they're already shifting the shows in general. Um, I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't do it on like Saturday, like Saturday at like seven, seven to eight. That's like kind of a classic time. Or even if you wanted to do like a early morning Saturday show, I mean, I guess if you had a pay-per-view instead of doing like one of these dumbass pre-shows, you could just do like a special edition of rampage. That is your pre-show leading into the pay-per-view. If you wanted to do it on Saturday. Yep. Um, I mean, cause that would be your go home and your buy-in kind of at the same time. I don't necessarily know that that's the worst thing in the world you could do, but yeah, like it, it comes on a 10. I know the ratings have been kind of in the shitter the past few weeks. I don't know. I don't know what last week's looks like just cause it didn't, didn't really keep up with last week's ratings or anything that much. I know that, well, I, I have heard that raw has been doing very well. Um, but in SmackDown has been doing well. They haven't felt fall off, felt fallen off at all after let's see past SummerSlam. But as far as like what rampage had done ratings wise, I, I don't have, you know, those numbers in front of me. I know at one point it hit below 400,000, which was a concern. And then the next week they kind of gave us like a little bit of a better card. Um, which they're going to have to probably continue to do, I would think, going forward. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's kind of just their afterthought show that's there. I mean, if TNT's happy with it, they may just keep it how it is. Who, who the hell knows? Yeah, it's a strange, uh, strange concept, but I think it would be beneficial for them to figure it out and try to move. Um, I mean, I stay up for it. I'm sure a lot of wrestling fans stay up for it, but same time, it's it. There's no way. It's kind of like when Cody was in AEW and was trying to say that the TNT belt was the same level as the World Championship. Like it's the B show, and it's kind of gotten to the point where it's like the Sunday night heat or uh, Sunday night WCW fucking B show, C show. You know, it's an hour, really quick, put together, and it just seems like. I don't know, like the afterthought of dynamite every single time. So it's something that I think may benefit them in the future, especially if they do go to streaming with this ROH show and potentially this women's, this all women's wrestling show would be to have a Saturday show. Uh, Even if it's separate, that's more like, like a Sunday night heat or just kind of the highlights of the week kind of jammed in. You could put like a couple of your really good matches from the previous week on there. And also, you could show things like you can't show, like when you're making references to BTE or to Elevation or uh, Dark. It's that, I think that's a place where you could start showing some of that stuff uh, on regular cable TV. I think, you know, maybe that would be a really good addition for them because they do I, just rely a lot on, hey, do you guys use the Internet? 
um, for a lot of this shit. I love that idea. Um, I, I, I that was very beneficial in a different way in the '80s with WWF, with you know having different people have like these segmented shows where they would show different wrestling matches at house shows, like the biggest ones, and then also go over details of other things and news and keep that going. And they kind of have it to an extent uh, nowadays, but, you know, it's different. It's usually on the network with WWE. I think that AEW could benefit from kind of like a wrap-up show. Uh, maybe even turn it into a, t- a two-hour show at Rampage with this cutting in between the actual, you know, because we're not stupid. It's fucking pre-tape most of the time. So if you do it live, it would have to be different. But I'm just saying for the most part, yeah, you could kind of incorporate some of the stuff going on outside of it on your television since they can't they don't even have enough time to be able to promote that shit on their dynamite you know show on tbs yeah and it's going to get even weirder when we head into wrestle well near wrestle kingdom because they're already talking about doing another forbidden door type deal i'm sure we have another ring of honor pay-per-view coming up so if you had like a a third show that was a wrap-up show a lot of that stuff you could uh, recap there and flesh out there maybe some character profiles and stuff a little better that I think would help overall with the product. But uh, it's something that, you know, WWE kind of has their own thing on the network. So if you wanted to go just check out, what do they have, the bump or whatever? Um, they have a couple of them on WWE Network that are kind of this idea. But yeah, with everything that they're going to have going on, if they really go through with all of these various shows, uh, having like a, either a Saturday morning or like I said, a Saturday night show that you could even use as your pre-show spot on TV as well. If you wanted to do like a buy-in for your pay-per-view, I don't think that's the worst idea in the world. I don't know what they're going to Like if it was me and you had to rearrange, um, let's say rampage, I would maybe just move it before SmackDown and that's not to be a dick to SmackDown or try to be the lead into SmackDown. It's just, you know, 10 o'clock, after you've already watched for the week, it's a lot, you know, seven hours of wrestling. And that's if you're not watching impact or, uh, or, you know, or any new Japan or in any other various companies that are out there that have shit during the week going on. But if you moved it to like, you know, even if you move that, if you move it to Thursday, for instance, now, okay, well now we're just kind of, we're going to be on the same night as impact. So obviously that's not going to be as big of a, Drop off, you would never Hey, Tony, think. what's going on? Why are you trying to go after our thing now? <laughs> My Scott yeah. DeMore's gotten worse and worse and worse. <laughs> I kind of like do- it. It's, it's he like does sound like, like Brooklyn cousin. <laughs> he's, he's, he sounds like, in real life, he sounds like Canadian Peter Griffin. So, uh, I don't know. Um, I agree, and I think that we, we think the same thing. Uh, you mentioned New Japan. I guess I should ask you, you know, you've kept up, obviously, with the G1 more so than I. Uh, now we know what the finals are uh, between Will Ospreay and Kazuchika Okada. He's trying to go for the record, beating uh, Chono. I believe it's four uh, G1s, so he would have to get this one and another one to beat his record, but tie it, I believe, is the thing. Um what do you think about this? Because I want to go back and watch some of the matches, but I'm even seeing resentment. And, you know, because I'm a mental masochist, I like to go in comment sections on Twitter and Facebook because I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, but resentment towards Okada, uh, almost. Like, they don't want him to win it. They think it's, you know, 
Someone even said, I love Okada, but he's becoming the John Cena uh, of, of New Japan, uh, which I don't think you b- believe that. But do you think that there's a right to that that concept? Um, uh, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal because the past few years they just set up the G1 winner is going to go into a feud for his title shot. Normally, he's going to be defending that title shot. Um this, this tournament had a lot of Gaijin wrestlers in it from New Japan Power. We even had Lance. We had like Lance Archer, Filthy Tom. We had, you know, Jonah, who I think is going to be feuding with Okada coming out of this. Because um, he, he kind of beat the hell out of Okada in this tournament. And that plays into the uh, the end of the tournament a little bit. The same with Will Ospreay. They, this year, and I, I don't know if you want the spoilers for the end because I have watched it. Um, the final Oh, match, the but... finals happened. Yeah, so the um Okay, the, the fun- well, here's the thing. I don't mind uh finding out the information. If anyone if anyone does, just give us a minute. Okay, just go ahead in the show a minute and we'll we'll wrap up. But um spoiler warning, Chris, who won the finals? Is it Will Ospreay or is it Okada going for the gold at at uh Wrestle Kingdom? So your semifinals that you, that set it up, you had Okada versus Tamatanga, and basically the setup would be if Tama won, he would be moving on, basically spoiling spoiling it for Okada. They had a pretty good match, uh, but like I said, the more of the storyline with Okada and, and Jonah throughout the tournament, he absolutely was destroying motherfuckers, uh, including like Tom. So pretty much anyone that had a match with Jonah coming out of their match, they were banged up for the rest of the tournament, which was kind of the yeah. Story Lance of Archer said that he was fucking on fire throughout this tournament when he talked to Busted Open. He was, and I think the setup going forward is going to be Jonah versus Okada. Um, but uh, the, on the other side, you had Osprey versus Naito, which I thought was the best match of the tournament. They just had a fucking absolute banger of a match so that would be if i had one recommendation of a match to watch it would be either that or i believe that uh this would be earlier in the tournament you had takagi versus uh osprey which was also really fucking good and i think that that's the storyline that's going to be building out of the other side because who won the finals though just because we're getting close to that minute concept that i just said right okay so uh yeah so the finals was okada versus osprey uh okada goes over gets his fourth victory and uh, the storyline's coming out of that like i said is is more than likely going to be jonah versus okada for his uh potentially a title shot you had and, and on the other side with osprey taking the loss he he comes out um, probably positioned to be defending that title against Takagi. So okay. uh, it, it set up good storylines going forward. Also, Jay White uh, has had some very great fucking promos throughout uh, throughout this G1 as well. He, he, he basically came out and said he's the greatest wrestler in the world, which was interesting. <laughs> but um, so he's going to be there. And also, you know, G, uh, the, not G1, but the uh, – Wrestle Kingdom is going to be three nights this year, and I'm pretty sure that, uh, as I kind of predicted, one of those nights is going to be dedicated just to AEW versus New Japan stuff. So, I, I don't know. I thought it was a strong G1. Like, it's not the best one they've ever had. It's not the most stacked tournament blocks they've ever had, but the matches they had going through was, was great. And uh, as far as how people feel about who won in whatever that is, I, I don't, we'll just let the internet tell us. <laughs> but... Uh, they're kind of in a weird spot right now. I, you know, they're it's this was one of the lowest attendance G1s they've had in a long time. 
part of that's probably due to COVID and, and, and some of that. But I know like at Sumo Hall, they had sold like 5,000 tickets or something, which is kind of rare for them um, in the semifinals. But yeah, good overall G1 tournament. Obviously, I did not watch every one of the, the tag matches that they throw out there. Um, I kind of this year, I didn't even watch all of the singles matches. I, I did a, a little bit of picking and choosing, but there was some. Some cool moments throughout the tournament, and there's definitely stuff to watch out there. I would, I mean, any of the, any of the fucking Shingo matches and Osprey matches, they're definitely worth a watch. So okay, so that makes sense. Um, and just just to kind of wrap it up with the Okada, uh, if there is resentment from fans from either Japan or the U.S., I guess it's because a lot of people, I'm assuming, because a lot of people love Tamatanga, maybe wanted him to go over, and then also. If there's resentment with the finals, it's because of who he went over on that as well. Uh, you know, Will Ospreay. So, um, I fucking love Okada. He can do no wrong. I maybe am not an avid watcher. Where I watch stuff like I've, I've been bad about this tournament. I've just haven't got a chance to watch a lot of it. But, you know, I guess they just expect, oh, he's going to win the G1. He'll retain it against Jonah. And then he'll go on and win the title back from Jay White, and that's what they're going to do. And that's where I guess the John Cena references are. The, the only difference is, didn't the same stuff happen with Tanahashi in 2000s for a shit ton? Like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't understand uh, the dilemma. If, if you're the best, you're the best. You know, people bitch about Roman Reigns and whoever, Kenny Omega and stuff like that. But that's just how it fucking is. Yeah, I mean, I just honestly don't expect Jay White to be dropping the title, so I don't think people should be worried. The only reason he ended up dropping the title last time was uh, he had, what did he he had he had it right before Abushi, who were they were going to push to the moon, and then we you know kind of know what happened with both Naito and Abushi. Um, I don't know, man. Jay White's like really hot, and they love him in Japan, so I'm assuming he's going to have that fucking thing for a while. So if people are just worried about Okada getting the title back, I don't. Even at Wrestle Kingdom, unless something crazy happens, I don't even see that happening there. I don't even know if we see that match there. I am uh, with the way that they kind of push Jonah in the tournament. It makes me think that it's it might be more likely that you would get Jonah versus uh, Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom. But we're a good fucking ways out from there, and a lot of stuff yep. can change. So, you're if we get to Okada and Jay White, if he does beat Jonah for Wrestle Kingdom, if Okada brings out a sledgehammer and a shovel. Are you going to be at all worried for Jay White? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I would yeah. then be worried for Jay White. But, you know, Even it's... though Jay White really actually is the one who reminds me more of Triple H than Okada <laughs> ever would. Um, it's like Rock versus Triple H in a lot of ways. Anyways, well, speaking about Triple H, our last little bit of item, and then we'll go into the shows. Shawn Michaels has been promoted from his bus, uh, The Game. He is now not only in charge of NXT... Uh, but he's now the WWE Vice President of Talent Development Creative. I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. I really don't understand exactly what that means. Um, yeah, me either. I mean, I guess it's just giving him the official title of what he's probably already been doing for a while if he's working directly under Triple H. Um, but, I mean, what is Triple H's title now is more of the weird question because he basically took over head of... I mean, he's the head showrunner of both Raw and SmackDown. Whatever the hell Vince's role would have been called there. And then he's there. head of uh, talent relations. So he's got so, a lot of shit he's doing. I guess that means more that 
you know, with him, with Sean being head of talent relations or vi- vice president of talent relations, I think it's giving him that official title so that he can be Triple H's other set of eyes because there's no way Triple H is going to be able to do all this shit. Um, I mean, even Vince didn't try to do talent relations plus uh, running these shows. I, I really wouldn't be surprised, especially with Taker, because he's already been there kind of helping out and stuff like that. If Taker and then maybe even Kevin Nash kind of come in to help out with certain things in certain areas, I, I really feel like Triple H is trying to, I don't know, maybe I, I'm, I have too much faith in it, but bring back the more wrestlers hands on than people outside the wrestling industry doing certain things that Vince has kind of put together with the corporate front of, you know, WWE entertainment. Since they become a publicly traded company, Chris. Yeah, and I mean, they kind of started down this path even with that with rehiring Jeff Jarrett. So I wonder if they're going to start bringing back people like maybe like a Lance Archer or some of the other wrestling minds that they ended up cutting parting ways with over the past two years. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yep, and uh, good for Sean. Um, I know that he's got a lot going on with NXT 2.0. He recently said, just to wrap it up with this news item. He tried to say in an interview that, you know, all these rumors were swirling around like Vince had a lot of say so in NXT and he had Bruce Pritchard helping me run it at the beginning. All of it is on me. I'm the one who's made every bad decision. Like, bullshit. I'm sorry. That's been reported many a times. And I totally see, even if Vince wasn't so much communication, Bruce was definitely up Sean's ass while Hunter wasn't there in NXT. And a lot of the segments, you can see that's the Bruce Pritchard isms within the creative. So I don't know if I believe Sean and I think he's trying to save face, but who knows? Maybe he's just, you know, going along with the whole concept, but uh, that sounds like bullshit to me. Yeah. It sounds like bullshit to me too, because I remember us going back to even before the reset of NXT 2.0 of them starting to send show writers down to NXT and, and Bruce Pritchard slowly starting to show up at the building before they decided to go full nuclear uh, I'm, I'm a, I would be almost positive that Shawn Michaels wouldn't be like, we should change this to like a Nickelodeon color scheme and uh, <laughs> get it rid is, of all of our it's top Nickelodeon talent. wrestling. God damn it. Uh, you know, I mean, he may be saying he's been the one in charge of booking the matches or coming up with who he wants to go against to or whatever. But there is a lot of other things that happened around that show and to that show that he wouldn't have had anything to do with, even if he was booking the show, like for instance, changing the entire look of NXT. um, A lot of the roster cuts, a lot of the people that got moved to the main roster, he wouldn't have had any control over that shit. That would have all been, you know, Vince. So, uh, Whatever. I mean, he's in, he just got promoted, and I'm sure he's just trying not to stir the fucking pot. And it's easier to place blame on yourself instead of point fingers in that kind of corporate situation, I would think. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. Well, um, let's start off the shows with Monday Night Raw. We're going to go in order. But before, um, my noon beer selection, if you guys are wondering, is Modelo, uh, Chalada, Lamon, and Sol. So, uh, yeah, great beer. A little bit of a uh, little bit of salt. If you couldn't figure out what the fuck I just said and lime uh, within there. So <laughs> uh, I'm boring. I, I got, I got Miller light over here. So well, Miller Lite's <laughs> still a fine beer. It's actually uh, a Pilsner. A lot of people don't know that it's not a lager. It's a Pilsner. 
but uh yeah that's because they're very closely related uh yeah i only know this information about beer because i worked at taco mac i had no idea the difference between a fucking stout and a goddamn lager and i'm sure there's people that are like i don't know either it's okay just drink them it's great um (laughs) well i mean it's just uh, miller light is my go-to uh it's still hot as hell in georgia and uh it's a light beer so it's not a bazillion calories all right well and also not a bazillion calories at least mental calories uh monday night raw so we started off with rhea ripley finn balor and damian priest coming out and talking about their accomplishments of the mysterios and then uh the archer of infamy himself mr priest uh you know built up the match he's having with edge that will be this next upcoming monday um I think they're having a street fight. I don't remember those details exactly, but should be a good match. Rey Mysterio came in and, uh, you know, was trying to get at all members, and that worked out for him for a second. Uh, And then the Nightmare ended up taking him down because, you know, he went for the chair with the other two and wouldn't do it with her. Um, And then... He was going to do it, and then she blocked the chair shot itself, and then they just beat the shit out of him. And that's pretty much done with the segment. So from this, uh, Dominic is quote-unquote injured, is what I'm taking from the last interaction. And uh, I'm getting the vibe, Chris, that the leader of this group more so, and, you know, this group has kind of dipped, I would say, in, in you know, me caring about it as much. But if there's someone that I feel like is the leader, it's actually Rhea Ripley over Finn and Damien. Uh, what do you think about this segment? What do you think about that statement uh, and the opening of Monday Night Raw? And where's this going with Ray? Like, are we are we, are we going to get an evil Dominic? Is that what's going to happen? I mean, based on what they're, the story they're telling, you would think the eventual payoff is that he's going to break down in a deck Rhea Ripley. <laughs> So I think that's part of the story, but she's injured, right? So I don't know how much they're going to be able to do around that. But yeah, I would assume that that it's going to be Ray versus Dominic somewhere down the line. I don't necessarily know if it'll be at Cardiff, but uh, yeah, that does seem to be the story they're telling. Uh, what was the announcement at the beginning? Just the just the street fight between Edge and um, uh, Damian Priest. Damian Priest. Yep. That should be a really good match. I think their styles actually, I, I hope, or should work really well together. Now, I will say this about Edge, outside of the Daniel Bryan-Roman Reigns match with Edge, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of his matches that have been like really must-see for me, personally. But uh, Damian Priest being in there, I, that that is interesting. I think that's... I, if they have really good chemistry, of course, it'll, it'll be great, but... Uh, their styles, I think, should work really well together on paper. I agree with you, and I, I like the size that they're similar in size, so it should be a, uh, a good visual once the two of them, um, you know, before they lock up. But just real quick, uh, before we move on, do you who do you consider the leader of this group? Because, like I said, I feel like Rhea Ripley's kind of showing off the dominance that she kind of, if not is the leader, should be considered the leader maybe in this group, especially if. She is still recovering from something and is going to be just a mouthpiece 
uh, a part of it and causing up bullshit. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely coming off as the leader because as soon as she came into the group, it was pretty much Edge's exodus. And obviously with her not wrestling, it makes sense for her to take more of a manager role. So uh, you would think it would be Damian Priest, but the way that they've currently been telling the story, it does come off more like it is Rhea Ripley is the mastermind behind this, the puppeteer pulling the strings, which I think is fine for her right now. And uh I would almost say that once they get past this Edge storyline, having Finn Balor and Damian Priest as a tag team and her being their manager isn't necessarily the worst thing WWE could do. Absolutely. All right, so next up we had a match. Uh, This was a part of the women's uh, tag team tournament, uh, and we had Nikki and Dewdrop going against uh, Alexa Bliss and Asuka. The match was actually pretty good. Um, I knew who's going to win, even though it's a little bit messed up, but it's the development of the characters, their names, everything. They're going to Cardiff, and uh, unless they're in some pre-show match, you know, you would think that you would have some of your uh, British talent a part of that, but Drew Drop and Nikki uh, obviously lost to Asuka and um, Alexa Bliss. They came out. With Bianca Belair, it's going to be the three of them versus Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai. And uh, after the match, we had an interaction with those two teams before they were broken up uh, to finish off the whole entire thing. So, good match, progressing the story, and uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, this you know uh, three on three tag team match in Cardiff. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I know it does suck that they're losing some some of their British performers, I guess by them losing this match, but it, the setup, the build of the Bailey's group and, and what that payoff is going to be, I'm actually more excited about. So I obviously didn't have as much of a problem with it. I thought the match itself was pretty good. Um, I like that. They're slow. It seems like they're slowly turning Nikki Ash back into Nikki Ash or Nikki cross. She's kind of not doing they as both much of need, the superhero gimmick. They they need to re re they need to rename them. They need to do everything over with the two of them. It would do a lot of good, especially if, now that we don't have the NXT Tag Team Championships. Just one set of championships, probably floating between the three of them. If they want to be an access in this tag team, make them look similar, make them look like a fucking tag team, and get rid of Nikki, almost a superhero, and fucking Dewdrop. Yeah, I mean, she's not playing that stuff up in the ring as much anymore, so I, it, it would make a lot of sense for them to do a character reboot with both of these cats, which if Triple H is, you know, Triple H has worked with both of them in various ways prior to him kind of being shoveled off from NXT, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see that happen in the near future. Hopefully sooner or than later. Uh, all right, so the next thing, so the Miz and Champa, they have a good... Um, Backstage promo, um, you know, kind of going over how Ciampa's frustrated that he lost to Bobby Lashley previously, but that's not going to stop him, you know, and they're going to take their aim at this tag team, and we know that they still have AJ Styles on their radar. Uh, my biggest thing, and the match was good, um, I like the idea, if you're going to, once again, if you're going to put them as a tag team, kind of 
coordinate them together. And it looks like they're expanding not just to women's, but also the men's tag team. We'll get into some stuff with uh, rumors with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn um, going forward. But, you know, there's much more tag teams. Um, so Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander being together, don't have a problem with it. Um, they obviously were going to lose based on the storyline. I just, we need to get champ in the Miz. And it's not, it, I, it's not that I don't like the Miz. Like I said, my example, and it's not their level and ability that you need to argue with me, but it, it's the concept itself. I would not see Ted DiBiase back in the day working with Jake the Snake Roberts. Like, it seems like Ciampa and Miz are very different. I didn't really dig the, the, the making fun of Logan Paul picture, trying to be a Pokemon card thing that he gave him. I don't want to ever hear him say or Ciampa say awesome. Uh, that type of stuff. I'm hoping they're going to get away from that, Chris, uh, soon in the future. But good match. Uh, I hope they do something with Ali and Cedric, and this doesn't become what it normally is. But I have more faith in Triple H than I do uh, the people, you know, Vince McMahon uh, beforehand when it comes to them. Yeah, with with Miz and Tommaso, I don't have as much problem with this tag team right now. I mean, I think it's something that you can continue to run for a little while. Um, And the only reason I say that is because they just don't have any heel tag teams. I mean, it's been like American Alpha is like the heel tag team for seemingly forever. So sprinkling in the Miz and Tommaso and then having them maybe win the titles and drop them uh, and then have a breakup, I don't think is like the worst thing they can do short term. But it, it does seem like it's going to be a short-lived tag team, regardless. I just, I you know, I don't know that it necessarily needs to end next week. I think in the ring they looked very good together, um, especially kind of that finish with Mustafa, where fucking Champa absolutely destroyed him with a running knee off that 450. Uh, that was pretty insane. So. Um, I don't know. It, they're kind of a decent tag team. And like I said, they don't really have a good heel tag team outside of the Usos. So I don't have a huge problem with it right now. Um, if it's going to be like, a, I would assume that they're just going to be doing a short lived thing, eventually causing Tommaso to turn on the Miz or, or vice versa. Um we will see, but right now I don't have a huge problem with it. it I thought this was a good, a really good match, actually. Yeah, a couple uh, things involved in the match that I made as notes. Ali and Alexander have definitely put together tag team moves. So, like I said, I hope that they are actually going to be structured as a tag team. Um, I love uh, the way that Champa tripped Alexander in the middle of a handspring. That was pretty fucking cool. Just was Champa-ish, if you will. And when Ali sent the Blackheart over the fucking table when he did a suicide dive, Tommaso Ciampa is so damn good. And I'm glad that he's getting elevated in this new Triple H era. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, As far as like Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali go, I mean, I like that they're building, trying to do something with these guys. Putting them together in a tag team is not the worst, worst thing they could do, I guess. Um it seems like they realize that tag team wrestling has kind of regained popularity and that they are trying to flush out some tag teams, which uh, I think is a very good idea on Triple H's part. I agree. All right, so let's 
let's talk about this by itself, and I'll kind of go over incidents. Uh, since we didn't have the show last week, you know, we had these these segments that keep on happening in the background, where you know, Mr. Sam Shaw or or Dexter Loomis. You know, we had the first one where there was a car accident in the background of an interview and everyone was like, what the fuck? And then little things here and there, you know, you would see this man's arm in the background or some shit or over in the audience getting escorted out of there by security. And uh, with this one, you know, you saw him also throughout the show. And then he definitely made his presence felt during one of the matches where he jumped over the guardrail. It was actually the one with AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley, but Miz was out there and it almost made it position. And I love the way that the announcers reacted to it. I don't know if, um, what, what's the uh, gentleman that that's from the UFC. That's, that's their main announcer. I can't remember his name, but I don't know if he was privy to, um, texture Loomis jumping over and knocking over Corey Graves and shit like that. So they're doing some weird stuff that I kind of suggested that they do for Dexter and NXT is just making this weirdo that's doing stuff in the background. And I don't know what the final destination is, but we do have Dexter Loomis just doing some weird shit. Uh, What do you think about all this? Yeah, I agree with you. Having him do weird shit, I think, is more fitting of his original character. And maybe they're going back to that a little bit versus the artist. Um, it is weird that the character Dexter Loomis would have to, like, jump the railing, though. It seems like he would find a different, creepier way to throw an attack. But I like where they're going with it so far. Uh Corey Graves is is cleared to wrestle. Are they going to start something with him and fucking Loomis? Like, where, where, that's that's what I don't know. Is like, who's this first opponent going to be? I don't know. I mean, the two people that were out there. Well, Corey Graves you can put as a third for sure, especially because of that. But AJ Styles and the Miz were both there. So could he be going after the, either the Miz or AJ Styles? What I'm wondering. Oh. <laughs> uh, I- Man, that'd be a that, that's a fun storyline to tell with the Miz if you bring Maurice back into the fold. Fucking creepy ass Dexter Loomis terrorizing Miz's wife. Kidnaps Maurice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's uh, uh it's interesting, man. I, I'm I'm digging it though. It's you know, it's like bringing back Hit Row. It's like everything that they've been doing, I, I think, is actually you know very beneficial to people they're picking or Triple H is picking to come back into the picture. Over on Ron SmackDown, AJ Styles make, make might make a little more sense if you're if they're just looking for someone to put over Loomis, I guess. Aren't, like aren't they good friends way, but... in in real life? Like, don't they know each other? I, that I don't sure know. Um, but the only problem with AJ Styles is he's just been fucking losing and losing and losing and losing. So I'd, I, I would think your first Loomis match or yeah, Dexter Loomis match you would want him to win. So that would be my only hesitation of putting him against like an AJ styles. I feel like at this stage in his career, AJ not, you know, obviously there's always going to be the comparisons with Sean, but from what I remember, Sean went over in a lot of his matches towards the end, besides the undertaker (laughs) ones. I actually see AJ more like Randy Savage in later WWE and also WCW. He was kind of the guy that everyone knew was a huge wrestler of his era. 
and would get in these matches, but would end up trying to get the other guy over, whoever that would be, uh, because they had credibility and stuff like that. And they were known for being this great in-ring wrestler and whatnot. So, I, But I want to see AJ back on top. I would have been fine with him getting the U.S. belt tonight. He's one of my favorite U.S. champions in the last couple of years, honestly. Yeah, and the thing about Loomis, I don't necessarily know that that's the guy you would that you need to put over and you would want to, I would want to use someone like AJ Styles to put over some younger talent. I mean, yes. Sam Shaw's like 38, 39 years old, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. I would rather see AJ winning <laughs> and him going after the Miz. Cause I feel like that's interesting. Um, more so, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, I mean, depending on what they're doing with that tag team of Miz and Tommaso, it could just be, it could be that he destroys the Miz in the actual matches, Tommaso and, and uh, Dexter Loomis, which I think is a little more entertaining because very interesting. Tommaso is fucking crazy and Loomis is a creep. So <laughs> creepy and crazy. All right. So I think this was the big thing that happened. Uh, I would end up giving us the first of three matches that were at least 15 to 20 minutes on raw between great wrestlers, I think. But this started off with a great promo. Drew McIntyre came out. He was, you know, just talking about Roman Reigns and that if he's champion, it's funny because Roman Reigns basically turned to Brock Lesnar a couple years ago. But if he is a champion again, then he will defend it on Raw. He will defend it on SmackDown. He will defend it at house shows. He will be a represented champion. And he starts going over... You know, if that happens, you could have him versus Champa, him versus blah, blah, blah. And he's going through all these people. And then Kevin Owens music fucking hits. And so Kevin Owens, he comes out, he gets to the ramp. And, you know, while he's doing that, Drew McIntyre goes, or me and Kevin Owens. And KO is just like, it's really convenient that you brought up my name when I come out here. And he starts just, you know, going off on Drew and really just... I just see, saw so much of a change in the one that we saw last week destroy fucking Elias or Ezekiel, sorry. Ezekiel within two seconds, just ruthless in this version. He said that he is the prize fighter. He said that the arena that they were in meant so much to him because of the giant battle that him and Sami Zayn had, referencing their past, you know, something. It's just little things between the promo and just telling off Drew McIntyre. And saying, look, I don't care who you are, you know, whenever, whoever wins this title, you're going to have to worry about me afterwards. And so we know that Kevin Owens is good on the mic. He was spitting fire. Drew's, you know, he's not bad, but I would say arguably this is the best promo that he said. Um, He kind of went into the whole entire, like, you know, him being the chosen one. And he's like, I haven't been the chosen one in eight or no, no, I think it was 10 years. He goes, he goes, I was the chosen one. And then I was basically put to the side, not mentioning 3MB or anything like that. I got fired. I busted my ass, came back, got called up by WWE to come back and work my ass through NXT to WWE, was a two-time champion and beat people like Brock Lesnar, Bill Goldberg, and Randy Orton. And, uh, you know, so basically, if if you're going to say my name, put some spec on it, you know, put some spec on my name. 
Birdman style. And they had an impromptu match. It was physical. I saw Kevin Owens do more aerial fucking things than most guys on AEW. I mean, he was just on top doing a fucking frog splash. Then he did a frog splash. Then he did a fucking, you know, they were just beating the living hell out of each other. And it got interrupted by Jimmy and Jey Uso. Um, so, but I, I like, I, if you're going to do an ending to a match like that, interference, have it have something for the future. And I think it did. And it wasn't just the fact that Drew was able to finally get both Usos and fuck them over. So in, in storyline, along with what happened on SmackDown, they're pissing Roman off still. They're not getting the job done because he's a mob boss, basically. And Kevin Owens went up, and this would be last night on SmackDown when, uh, whatchamacallit, when uh, Roman was talking to Sammy, you know, your friend Kevin Owens said, you, you know, you, you're, you're cool with Kevin. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 we go way back, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, well, tell Kevin that he doesn't owe me or I don't owe him shit because Kevin Owens says, hey, your boss owes me because they cost the match. And uh, I, I know I think I know exactly where they're going. I'll we'll get into those theories and stuff like that and rumblings of what Kevin Owens has said recently. But how'd you like the promo? How'd you like the match? I thought all of this was the best thing on Monday Night Raw, Chris. I think it was the best thing on Monday Night Raw. I would have made this the main event. I think it would have went off the air a little better because the title match, the way it went off the air was kind of like flat. Um, so I may have shifted those two matches. Um uh, this was fucking great. Uh, this is by far the best Drew McIntyre promo I've ever seen. Uh, so it's good to see him have that fire kind of lit under him. I don't necessarily know that it's going to matter. I still feel like he's going to end up losing to Roman, but it is good to see that. I like that Kevin Owens is going back to the prize fighter gimmick. He did not back down from Drew McIntyre. He didn't cower. He wasn't like really a heel. He was just saying, hey, I've been here for a while. I'm I, I, he mentioned he hadn't won a title in five years, which is fucking baffling to think about just because of how many main event matches Kevin Owens has been in. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, he said he was going to come after every title, not just the heavyweight title. He, he mentioned the tag titles, which kind of sets up the, the Sami Zayn uh, interactions later on SmackDown. I, I don't necessarily know that that's exactly where they're going right off the bat, but uh Sami Zayn is still an honorary ooze at the moment. Fun stuff. A great promo from both guys and easily the best thing on Raw, like you said. But it did make me want to continue to watch the rest of the show. Um, the only, Like I said, the only, the only thing I would have maybe done different, I would have maybe put this at the very end. Set the promo up and so then did the match switch it with the uh, Switch it with the Austin Theory-Dolph Ziggler match, I think would have been a great idea, yeah. Because that match was fine. Or was the U.S. title match the last one? I can't remember. It was the Theory Ziggler match. Um, the the only I think that yeah that was the that was the main event. But it was just kind of that it was. Uh, that's the match I would have switched. Whichever was the main event, I can't remember because I may have them mixed up in my notes. Hey, we here, have but... three good matches, but yeah, I agree with you. I think this was the best thing. It should have definitely gone last. Um, so did you hear how Roman or Roman Kevin Owens recently said that he's gunning for the tag team titles? And now we are at a position where the Usos think Sammy is annoying as fuck. And we think that there's this tension between Roman and the Usos because they're not good lackeys, basically. Uh, but 
you know, Sammy was getting in his good graces last night on SmackDown. He even took a fucking Claymore for Roman. Uh, Roman bringing up Kevin Owens. I feel like this is going to end up where Sammy thinks he's, you know, in the group, if you will, and then they beat the living fuck out of him. And Roman Reigns, uh, you know, Kevin basically defends him. I could see Sammy and Kevin Owens, is what I'm saying, gain those tag titles from the Usos. I really could potentially in the future. Yeah, I don't think that's a terrible idea. They're, they've been a really good tag team for a really long time. Um, and they've never gotten them there. That's the crazy part. <laughs> well, I mean, if you go back to Ring of Honor with El Generico and Kevin Steen as a tag team, uh, some of the matches that they had against the Briscoes, etc. Uh, uh, by the way, maybe... wasn't it weird hearing uh, Michael Cole reference El Generico last night on SmackDown? That was weird. Maybe we'll get El Generico. That would be fucking awesome. I've been clamoring for it for fucking years. But, you know, he's been down in Honduras uh, taking care of orphans. So he he has better things to do than wrestling. El Generico, that is. Um, Yeah, it does seem to be that's where they're setting up. There, there is something to be said that they fucking just absolutely destroyed Sammy for trying to save Roman last night in his hometown. He got like the biggest fucking pop, also, with them being. Oh, in he got a fucking but... Road Warriors pop, man. <laughs> Jesus <great>. Christ! <laughs> but yeah, he just immediately I... got decimated. So that's fine. You know, he had to leave. He came back, and then he got decimated again. But we'll get down to that. I love Sami Zayn. I would. I mean, if they really do that. If they bring, especially if, and I don't think Triple H would give a shit if it's an outside gimmick. If they somehow bring back El Generico and it's Kevin Owens and him against the Usos for the title, sign me the fuck up. That is something different. Yeah, and I think it will allow when Sami Zayn to come back to reset that character. That that's been the big thing is I feel like there's more they could have been doing with Sami Zayn and. If you need a reset without just writing him completely off TV, you could do him as El Generico and <laughs> for a while and then have him come back as Sami Zayn. Um, yeah, lots of cool stuff they could do there. I mean, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn going on a tag team run. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're looking around at like the Bucks and some of these other tag teams and be like, hey, we were pretty fucking good back then, too, as a tag team. Yeah. <laughs> why, are, why aren't we considered one of the greatest tag teams? <laughs> That sounds like something Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn would be talking about in their off time. I'm all here for it. Um, also, good uh, use of Veer, who's not been on for a while. Um, he just came out and just killed this guy called Bo Keller um, within two seconds. I mean, if you're going to build someone up, we said this, that's probably the way to go about it. I think that they've done crap with him in the past, and I have no clue if this guy... I think they want him to be the next Umaga, and I think that that's a huge fucking ask. I mean, Eddie Fatu was a fucking monster of an athlete and shit like that, and I don't know if I see it, but they're putting over his million-dollar arm, trying to throw that in there, so we'll see where what happens, I guess, Chris. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you want to go for, like, an Umaga-type character, isn't Sokoa probably the better choice for that? Just based on the way he wrestles, etc. Um, well, I yeah. was I was more just like monster, big guy, foreign. You know, I'm gonna kill you and not say two words the whole entire right. time. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that that gimmick works anymore, though. No, not not really. Could you imagine uh, if they try to do jo- Yokozuna nowadays, having a Polynesian wrestler play a Japanese um, sumo wrestler <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't talk at all and just says bonsai? God, that would. There, there's at least a better chance of it working with Triple H being there because he's not going to give up on it in like two weeks. So if they're going to give him a couple of squash matches and then one big match after that, I think, you know, we will see. The, the big thing for me is like, uh, it's hard to consider this guy a monster when you look at people like fucking Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns that are, and Lashley that are in this company. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, the next thing we had, um, so, so Matt Riddle was having an interview about his injury and talking from his house. Uh, behind him was like a rock star poster, a lava lamp, other stonerish things. He was really serious in the promo. Um, but Seth Rollins, you know, just being a dick, was took the spotlight in the ring and was going back and forth with him and just putting him down. And uh, Chris, that wasn't his actual room. It was a set. And Matt Riddle fucking storms to the ring. And he starts beating the shit out of Seth Rollins. Uh, and then he chased him into the crowd. Seth getting out of there. Uh, had a promo when he came back. This is the intense Matt Riddle that's not fucking around. The one that I really liked that was developed towards the end of his NXT uh, career. And don't don't get me wrong. I like it when he can be goofy and stuff like that. But he is an ex-UFC fucking fighter. He is... A badass. He can fuck people up pretty badly. So I like kind of that switch, and it shows that there's intensity within him, and uh, I'm looking forward to him and Seth. I think that they usually have good matches. I think they'll have a pretty good feud. Yeah, I mean, I'm over Seth Rollins' character. I was hoping that they would start trying to change that. Um, but I'm going to give them a little bit more time on that. But the fucking laughing Joker thing, I'm, I've been fucking done with for a while. As far as the match quality that he's going to have with Matt Riddle, I'm sure that's going to be a great fucking match. I like uh, the more serious Matt Riddle, like you said. Um, yeah, should be fun to watch. I, I don't know where you go from. Eventually, Randy's going to come back. Is he going to come back into like a super serious Matt Riddle? And then that's a that's a feud itself, because the the thought was that he was going to be eventually going to be Roman's next opponent until he got hurt. Yeah. And I'm still wondering if they're going to do that still, but if he comes back, do you put that back together just immediately? And, you know, maybe they're going for single stuff, but they're still a unit or do you get Randy Orton, you know, pulling a big show, but he's way better at pulling it off where he just fucking turns on him immediately and puts his ass down. Um, and starts a feud with Matt Riddle. Which would you rather see happen when, when Randy comes back? Them be together or feuding, potentially? I think it would be cool f- to put them back together, but then have Matt Riddle be the one that fucking turns heel. That and would be do, also cool. And do the heel king of bros that he was and fucking evolve. I think that would be what I would do. But either way, I mean, it's it, it's... They they have to break those two guys up just because there's more that you can do with Randy Orton outside of a tag team. Though I do think that has been one of the most out of that Vince the last six or seven months. Um, well, actually, I guess going back a year, RK Bro was one of the best things on Raw 
one of the reasons to tune in and watch. So maybe they don't want to break that up. I, I don't know, especially if they're trying to rebuild the tag division. I mean, it's not the worst thing to have those two guys together uh, at this point in Randy's career. It's just, and, and who the hell knows? Because, this, you know, those rumors about, you know, uh, Orton being the next guy for Roman, um, that was when Vince was there. So everything could kind of be changed up at this point, I would think. Yep. But, uh, yeah, dude, just uh, interested, for sure, between their feud. Um, another great match, man. Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles. Holy fucking shit, man. AJ Styles. And this is nothing against Bobby Lashley. I think Bobby Lashley's great. Actually, I kind of make the comparison to him and Lex Luger a lot of times for just being this physical, dominant presence uh, with one of the greatest physiques probably within WWE and just a solid big guy. Um, Bobby definitely, you know, Lex, if we were to give credit more towards the beginning of his career, he definitely put more effort in the ring. And then when he was like, oh, wait, so some of you guys just, just have to go out there and do a couple things and that's all. And that kind of became his things. Bobby <laughs> wasn't as great. You know, he was a good wrestler collegiately, but he wasn't that great. And then he put more work into his work. So that's the only difference I would say. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad reference. I, I would say Lashley has gotten a lot better in the ring, and this has probably been some of the best wrestling he's done throughout his career, this current WWE run that he's had. But yeah, that's not a bad comparison at all. Uh, just eventually when Lex got to the point where he could just fucking hit a couple of forearms and put somebody in the rack and the entire that was it. lose their fucking mind, there's no reason for him to do more. <laughs> Less is more, man. I also want to say I, I watched the um, his special specifically on, uh, what was it, A&E, and I uh, thought it was a great uh, biography. You know, it's, it's really hard to dislike Lex Luger. Um, well, it's but, really yeah. easy if you're like a Miss Elizabeth fan, but I guess it depends on what side of yeah. things you're looking at. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true, man. But there's always that. Um, but either way, I I feel like from what he was conveying in there that he has a lot of, you know, I think he's hated himself for such a long time that he's now fucking starting to realize that. And it took a lot of terrible stuff, including his legs not working anymore, basically, for him to be at a, a happier place, it seems. But I mean, yeah. he was when he was younger, he sounded like Randy Orton without the fucking drugs, like just a complete <laughs> dick when he was a baby face, just miserable to, to people. But that changed when and the, the Lex Luger I know is when he started really embracing his fans in WCW Nitro days. It just he got on really bad drugs towards the end of it. And that that destroyed him, you know. But that time period, him and Giant were always one of my random, like, it's like Kane and X-Pac, like one of my favorite random put-together tag teams in the uh, Monday Night Wars days. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Bobby Lashley, similar, I guess, is what I was fucking going for. I don't fucking know. Yeah, with Lex, they missed, like, a huge fucking opportunity in WCW to push that guy to the moon. Because there was a time period there where Lex Luger, especially when he, he was feuding with NWO, where he was he, he beat super Hollywood crazy Hogan. Correct me if I'm wrong. He beat Hollywood Hogan before Sting did, right? And then they right. put it back on Hollywood Hogan a week later. Right. So they they that's but that's WCW WCW going WCW. 
<laughs> no shit, man. But they, they missed the fucking boat. There was a time period there where Lex, especially when he was kind of the last remaining WCW guy going against NWO, and then after all of that, they were like, okay, well, now Lex is just in NWO. And that gets into kind of the gatekeeping that Kevin Nash and, and uh, Hogan had during that time period. So, Well, regardless, and I agree with you, um, this match was really well because Bobby Lashley is physically imposing and AJ Styles can make anything look way more devastating. Uh, you know, he gets thrown at one part. I mean, Bobby put force into it. Don't get me wrong. He throws him in a turnbuckle and AJ slides and makes it the side. No, makes his spine just straight up hit the fucking turnbuckle, go to the outside. He was selling that the whole entire rest of the match. Bobby's taking him, throwing him into the fucking barricade spine first, just working on it. They had that whole entire thing with Miz and, and Tommaso Ciampa, which they would get ejected. Uh, they had also that thing with Dexter Loomis jumping out of the audience before security got him. So there was a little bit of hoo-ha within there, but they still had a great match. It just, AJ Styles so fucking good. And I love that little interaction on the ground where AJ had him in the calf crusher and Bobby Lashley was able to work him into the hurt lock, but couldn't get it fully and couldn't get up. And AJ ended up like, you know, back flipping and almost pinning him. And then the spear happened out of nowhere. I thought it was a really good match. Kudos to both guys. We want to see AJ more elevated. And Bobby Lashley is looking like a very dominant U.S. champion. So I appreciate it because it seems like, you know, Chris, Triple H is trying to, with all the packages they're doing for the Intercontinental Belt and the U.S. Belt, this is the Raw Belt. It's the U.S. Belt. This is the fucking SmackDown Belt. That's the IC Belt. And the, the you know, the universal whatever the fuck goes between both of them. Even though there's still two belts, technically. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that's a good idea. I would I would like them to com- create a new title belt for the undisputed title, um, as opposed to there being two separate belts. Though I will say that Me fucking new, the new SmackDown belt with the lighter blue looks fucking great. Um, we haven't really talked about it on the show, but I don't know when they did that, but they like changed up the color on that thing, and it looks fucking awesome. It does. You no, can kind of see like the dyed leather skin, like the the. It all, I don't know if it's alligator skin or lizard skin that they're using for that, uh, but it looks fucking looks fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I just I, I mean I agree with you. It, I think it's cool that they're trying to build those titles back up. It's something that me and you've bitched about for a long period of time. Having it on Bobby Lashley is not not a bad thing, and uh, you know it gives it gives him time to have like a meaningful run before you push him back into the heavyweight title picture, which I would think would happen eventually, right? Absolutely. So uh, yeah, good fucking match from him and AJ. I I kind of knew going in it was going to be a good match between those two guys. Uh, it, it, I'm trying to think of like the last time they wrestled each other. Was I know that they've had matches in wwe is this the first like long form singles match we've had with those two i'm not sure but they definitely and i feel like everyone's doing this when they have matches doesn't matter what they're like going out there with their game face on and real. and i'm sure that's hunter you know go out there and fucking just the time you got kick kick your asses like you know kind of freestyle it if you want i'm sure a lot of the restraints are taken off yeah, I mean, this was like what a seventeen-minute match. We had the yep. uh, the the Kevin Owens match was like twenty minutes, and then the main event was like fifteen minutes. So it seems like that they're gonna 
this would be what I think is the new normal for Raw, where you're going to have three big matches given a good amount of time, and then the rest of them will be like story-driven type matches, uh, kind of like what we saw with the tag, the, the female tag match, etc. But uh, hey, it's great to see fucking wrestling on Monday Night Raw. That's no cool. shit. Well, and that's the thing that we kind of that I, I forgot. Uh, Drew McIntyre said some some evil words, Chris. I don't know how. Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon uh, felt if he was watching Raw, but, you know, at one part he's like, he's like, you know, I don't care what they call you, a prize fighter, if they call you a sports entertainer, we're both wrestlers, we're here in a wrestling ring, why don't we wrestle? He literally said that, and, you know, to some people that probably doesn't mean anything, but that's pretty fucking crazy uh, to me. Yeah, and I think that's part of Triple H's reset, is to show that like, hey, we realize that we're a fucking wrestling company at, at the end of the day. Because um, I've heard a couple of people, break, like, say, belts, for instance, and wrestling and some of these banned terms. So Triple H seems to be getting just rid of some of the shit that's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, as far as that Good goes. On it, also, it also doesn't, you know, it also doesn't help that, like, Jericho is really playing that up on the other channel of being a sports entertainer almost mockingly. So it's not a bad idea to step away just to not let people throw that kind of in your face all the time. Yep. I agree. Well, uh, uh, another thing that seems not to be, I mean, hasn't been taken seriously in a long time, but even less the 24 seven title uh, champion, Dana Brooke, she has to have had it for a record amount of time. Uh, one against Dakota Kai, and Dakota Kai destroyed her. I mean, the more funnier part of this was Bailey screaming at the announced team, and we would finally have her meet up with Michael Cole last night on SmackDown, which was fucking great. So we'll get there. But uh, I love Bailey. This was a squash match to put over Dakota Kai in front of the audience, obviously. Um, at Dana Brooks, uh, you know, her demise, if you will, Chris. Yeah, I had no problem with this at all. Uh, I think this is a smart move. It gives Dakota Kai kind of, I don't want to say a strong win because it's not like they do a whole lot with Dana Brooke, but it was fun to see Dakota Kai get a win here. And then also it it just kind of put over Bailey. Bailey's been fucking great since she came back. I still would have brought her back as a baby face, but what they have going on right now seems to be working. So uh, excited to see where they go. Um are they going to do kind of like a fabulous Freebirds tag team run with these cats? That would be my guess. That would be cool. All right. So the main event, Theory, Dolph Ziggler. I mean, they were fighting all throughout the arena. People had to keep on, you know, getting in between them and whatnot. And they would have their match. I mean, it just started off real quick with a jumping DDT from fucking Dolph to like really start the pace of the match. But, um, uh, I also liked there was this one part where Austin Theory just between the cell job, the the little bit of connection, and the fact that Austin Theory has a really good punch, he looked like he fucking knocked out Dolph Ziggler. It was awesome, and all it was was just a punch. Um, there was a really fucking scary spot where uh, Ziggler ran up the top turnbuckle, and he went for a face buster, but he almost like they. They could have oofed it really quickly, but saved it. And uh, I always will put over the fact that Ziggler, uh, whenever he hits the uh, ring post, it just looks great. 
So, uh, yeah, these guys had a really great match. Given a lot of time. Theory went over. I don't know what this means for Ziggler. Um, if they're really developing the tag... I, I, well, depends on what Triple H has planned for Bobby Roode. But if they are developing the tag team division and, 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 and like taking it seriously... Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler were a great tag team together. I will say that. So I don't know where they're going with Dolph, but uh, good match. Uh, and if anyone's worried about Theory, I think this shows they're still going to keep him as a main player, even though he didn't get the uh, cash in at SummerSlam. Just calm down, people. Yeah, he's, st- he's still got the briefcase there, right? So that could yep. be coming anytime. Um, I just, I, now I, I do wonder if they are going to do where he can only challenge for one belt though that still seems to be maybe a thing that they might pull um we didn't really i don't know if we talked about it earlier in the show but we, did we talk about the actual promo that theory cut on ziggler no if you'd like to go into it go for it yeah i thought it was pretty good i mean it, it's kind of a rehash of what we've heard in the past about ziggler but the the austin theory just basically ran him down as wasted potential he's like i've done more in the past six months than you've done in the past like five years uh, it's true though which is pretty rough but it did set up a reason for them to have this match so it's just cool to see like hey we have the because what would have happened previously on like let's say two months ago on raw they would have just had this fucking match they would have done like a run in on the match the week before and then this would have just been that's why they're feuding for like absolutely no reason so at least they're trying to give you a reason of why this match is happening um yeah it was a it was a good match i really liked the finish with uh ziggler trying to go for the fame asser and and uh getting caught in the a-town down thought that was a a neat little finish um like i said i probably just would have moved this match i would have just swapped the mcintyre spot with the i would just swap these two and i think that might have been a little better and the only reason i say that is because wwe has a reputation for having run-ins so it makes you worry about run-ins the rest of the night especially when you have longer matches so if you swap those you can do the run-in and beat down and the comeback going off there with mcintyre versus what you had here Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. But regardless, I think that both me and you can say that this was a pretty damn good for for the three hour length. You know, a pretty good Monday Night Raw last week was good, too. And um, I'm hoping that keeps up going forward. It's terrifying, Chris. Yeah, I'm still not ready to start watching this some bitch live, though. Three hours is a long time, especially with it being really realistically 40 minutes of raw and 20 minutes of commercial each hour. So um, we will see. But I did enjoy watching it uh, after the fact. So I, I'm, I'm going to continue before I was just skimming. This might make me actually start watching the entire show, which I did for the first time. And well, the past two weeks I've, I've watched the full full length of the show but it, it had been months and months and months since the last time i watched like a full episode of raw as the listeners know <laughs> absolutely also did i tell you my um my not really theory but my my concept for dolph ziggler no what's that so i've realized that a lot of the people that he's compared to within wrestling in the past are all like blonde icy champions 
when like the ones that they pulls through. So so go with me on this. You got Kurt Henning, both collegiate backgrounds. Obviously, Kurt more so for high school. Uh, Dolph went over and got all the records in Penn State when he was there. But Blonde, great IC champion. Shawn Michaels, when he was IC champion, that heel version, that first cocky version, the showstopper, you know, that era Shawn Michaels when fucking at first um, Sensational Sherry came out with him and shit. And he had blonde hair. Um, Jeff Jarrett is another person. Owen Hart is another person I would always. It's. Do you think that he's taken the essence of each blonde person and just like he, he took like a like a formula? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I feel like there's something there to that. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems with Dolph Ziggler and always has been is that he's named fucking Dolph Ziggler. But yeah, he definitely has <laughs> taken uh, taken parts of everything. Um, you know, you brought you brought up Jeff Jarrett's name. It wouldn't necessarily be the worst idea in the entire world to get Dolph Ziggler a manager, someone like Dolph Ziggler. Or, or or someone like Jeff Jarrett to be his manager to kind of just freshen him up if they're if you're not going to go back to a tag team with him and uh, Bobby Roode, which I think you know if you're actually going to give them mic time and let them have tag ma- like decent like ten minute tag matches that that's not the worst idea in the world to put those the Diamond Dogs back together because I actually do I agree with you I think they're a really good tag team problem is you only got to see them wrestle one fucking team each week for like yep like a year. Um, but yeah, like if you're not going to do that, getting him some kind of manager or maybe even bringing him into the fold of Balor and uh, Rhea Ripley's priest group, uh, which I can't think of the name of right now, doing something like that with him that we haven't seen before might not be the worst. I mean, one of his best runs is when he was with Vicky Guerrero, which is would would have been his title run. And that's kind of the one of the only times he was ever really in the main event picture. So uh Maybe going back to a super heel Dolph Ziggler with some kind of shitbag manager. Uh, maybe even an MVP. Who knows? That would that could be a cool, cool group. I even suggested, and I mean, it's kind of set up now, even though Theory beat him. But it might be too on the nose. But if you have like an evolution type of concept, modern day. And have Dolph, I guess, is the Triple H, if you will. He's a veteran. He's been around, but... Very cocky and arrogant. Jeff Jarrett, uh, and he can wrestle sometimes, is like the more older wrestling figure that's very similar mindset to the, the uh, to Dolph. And then you throw in two young guys. Austin Theory could be the Randy Orton and whoever for the Batista, whoever you want as a muscle. Maybe like a Madcap Moss or something. Like, it, like I said, it might be too on the nose, but I think it actually has some potential to it if they do something. I just want to see Jeff more involved with the actual... Uh, product and behind the scenes <laughs> i guess I, I mean i'm still not completely against Dolph ziggler being an nxt like I, I think that they tied way too much into them just screwing over braun breaker and having bobby Roode interfere in those matches but him being an nxt is not the worst idea in the entire world i think that he could he's a known qu- uh, quantity there he's still kind of a big name he could go in and have matches with some of the up-and-coming stars like carmelo hayes etc I, I don't think that's a bad spot for him if you don't necessarily have anything for him going forward on the main roster. Um, it would be a good time to start moving some people like Adolph Ziggler back down there 
to help develop these guys instead of just randomly bringing in like AJ Styles or, you know, just doing a one off, like have someone down there that maybe even give them like a meaningful title run or something. But yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do with Dolph Ziggler. It's just if it, what they've done with him for the past two years is that he's either in a tag match with Bobby Roode or they randomly shove him into a storyline that doesn't really make any sense. It's so funny because, you know, when it comes to career and uh, we will never know what happened because Owen obviously passed away, but they have a similar career into the fact that all of a sudden they were just kind of grouped in this one thing. It's like, all right, you're a good heel, you're a good worker, and we're going to put you wherever the fuck we need you, random ass places, you know, sometimes with, with Drew McIntyre, you know what I'm saying? Or Owen, you're going to join the fucking uh, – the nation of domination, but you're just reliable, great worker. Uh, the only difference is I feel like you look at Owen's career as brighter and Dolph Ziggler's as not, not as much. And Dolph actually won the fucking world championship before in the past. Um, yeah, that's one of those weird things because they switched the belts so much back then that it didn't really mean anything. Right. That's his title run especially because it was mostly anchored by Vicky Guerrero. It's not very memorable. Um, and they gave it to him super early in his career. Well, super early as the character Dolph Ziggler, because he was part of the spirit squad prior to that. But as a singles competitor, they kind of gave it to him very quickly uh, and it just didn't work. And then Vince never went back to it though. I did think there was a good time period there where they could have, when he was the last man in the survivor series team. And he kind of went through like, what he had like three of the pinfalls to win that thing. Like that would have been the time to give him a big push. But uh, yeah, we've mostly just seen much of the same of Dolph Ziggler. I'm surprised that he resigned just because he's really good friends with Matt Cardona and Matt Cardona has done fucking perfectly fine on the indie scene. And he could have came in and been part of that group and wrestled in like a hundred different companies. Yeah. And his brother's doing something, I guess, in AEW. So Maybe you can get him out of the fucking crap house. Uh, but Yeah, that's a guy that if they do start a Ring of Honor show that might be a good fit for that roster because I actually think he's pretty good in the ring. They just don't. It's, Me too. It's fucking, they have a lot of people on that roster already. It's just one yep. of those. All right, well, that's Raw. Let's move on to the other big show of this week, I would say, with AEW Dynamite. Um, ooh, this one started off with a doozy. So we're going to, I'm going to, I have, because of Wrestling Inc., a really good, just, you know, the back and forth itself, uh, in front of me. We'll go over that, Chris. Then we'll go over the rumors involving CM Punk, MJF, and everything else that's been stirring around lately. But, uh, yeah, we started off with CM Punk. When he got to the ring, you know, CM Punk said he doesn't have the prettiest smile, but he has the prettiest belt. Punk says he wants to issue a challenge. He calls out Hangman Page for a match right here, right now. Page does not appear. And he says that isn't cowboy shit, it's coward shit. And says the apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect. Do you want to go into that real quick before I keep on going? Yeah, I mean, I guess we can. So the rumors that are out there is that essentially 
you know, they gave him some kind of liner notes on what they were wanted him to talk about. The big deal was just setting up the match with Moxley. He kind of just brought up Hangman Page and Eddie Kingston both uh, without AEW knowing about it, which kind of puts them in a weird spot because they weren't necessarily booking to anything with CM Punk. That's that's essentially the rumor mm-hmm. uh, that is floating around or what is being reported. Um, uh, and apparently Tony Khan freaked out backstage. I, I don't know if you've heard those rumors as well about this, but that's what happened. Uh, apparently he was pissed off about the Hangman Page promo talking about you know, punk not really being one of the boys, essentially uh, not really caring about the wrestlers. Like you just showed up making a huge fucking payday and pretending to be a nice guy is kind of what that promo was. And uh seems like that really pissed CM Punk off. So that this was the, what, what people are calling the receipt for that. More of the problem is, is the way he did it. Um, puts the company in a weird situation where now they got to try to fucking tie that into a storyline, which they may not have had plans for. And, uh, yep. Calling someone a coward and not in telling them to come out there when they can't fucking, when you know, they're not going to come out there. It, uh, it really hurts them, especially if they're a fucking baby face. So it just kind of, it's just, it was just bad tact. If that's, if that's what they were going, but who the hell knows? I mean, we still don't know if MJF is shit's a work or, shoot at this point yeah i have a theory about it but i'll leave it till the end of this conversation i'm maybe i'll be putting over tony khan a little bit more so than i should i don't know but we'll get to that i'm sure it's something similar that a lot of people think including yourself anyways um and the whole the whole theme of this whole thing was uh you know he would keep on saying in the promo uh stop me if i'm lying you know, you say that to the audience, but he's dropping those pipe bombs, as John Moxley said later on. He believes everyone wants to be champion until it is time to do champ shit, and he understands that John Moxley has a lot of fans. He can be a number one in people's hearts, but he isn't in the ring uh, as he is the real AEW champion. Punk says he has lost big over the years, but Moxley has always been number two as someone uh, uh, within someone in his own group. Uh, and he said this has been a theme going back beforehand. So he basically said that Danielson and, and Claudio were one and two in the Blackpool over John Moxley and that both S.H.I.E.L.D. members, Roman and Seth, were over him. Um, yeah, it was a reoccurring theme in his career. Punk says the only person that has actually broken bone bones in the past six months is him. And he asks the fans to tell him when he's telling uh, lies. And he points out Moxley uh, as interim champion, which means temporary. He's willing to test himself against Moxley. And he also said that Eddie Kingston was the third best Eddie he shared the ring with and the sex- second best Kingston. So I'm going to assume... The two Eddies were Eddie Guerrero and Eddie Fatu, a.k.a. Umaga, I guess. Um, and Kingston was Kofi Kingston. So, so I, thought, I thought maybe Eddie, I, I thought maybe Eddie Edwards for the second one. What, but. I was wondering about that, but time-wise, wasn't Eddie Edwards in Ring of Honor when Punk was in WWE? I guess, but they would have wrestled each other in PWG prior to that. Um 
I wonder what. Yeah. I, what yeah, yeah, someone needs to have him clarify <laughs> which one. But yeah, I mean, Umaga, I mean, Umaga was a great performer as well. I'm not taking anything away from Umaga, but when he initially said this, I thought, okay, who are three Eddies that would have had good matches with Punk? Because I don't know that I would. I don't know that Punk would necessarily have a great match with Umaga. There's not one I can think of right offhand. Yeah, I don't know, but that's um, what he's claiming. And honestly. Correct me if I'm wrong, Punk only had one match with Eddie Guerrero. And wasn't it like him, Eddie, and was it Rey Mysterio in Ring of Honor? It's Yeah, and that's my favorite CM Punk match. It's uh, Punk comes in as t- champion. It's him versus Eddie versus Rey, and Rey ends up leaving with the belt. Um, awesome. So Punk p- put over Eddie. But it's a great fucking match. The video quality is kind of shit from back then, but it is a really great CM Punk match and some of the best work I've ever seen him do in the ring. But it, you know, it helps when you have fucking Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero uh, to bounce off of. Yep. All right. And so continuing Punk says he plans to test his best at all out against Moxley and he won't be the first John that he has beaten in Chicago for a championship belt. And he's not number one in that category either. Damn. Moxley then appears uh, while Punk does snow angels in the ring and tells people to look out because CM Pumps is dropping pipe bombs uh, that his body can't cash and starts wiggling his ankle. Um, I thought Moxley was great. It's like he's talking all his shit. He's going to fucking take his time to get in the ring. He's not going to be like too crazy right now and, you know, just kind of head on with them. Uh, but anyways, Moxley... Uh, Moxley claims that Punk isn't even the best wrestler in catering and the words he spits <laughs> don't mean shit and neither does the belt that he has on his shoulder he said it doesn't mean shit until he beats Punk Moxley claims to be the heart and soul of AEW and Punk says you can be the heart and soul I'll be the dollars and the cents and then Moxley claims that Punk only came to AEW because he ran out of money and Punk ran out of spirit a long <laughs> fucking time ago. Punk says he will soundly defeat John at the pay-per-view, and he's not worried. Uh, or they shouldn't basically get into it because he's worried that, you know, John Moxley might bleed on him after he hits him once. Um, and then, you know, we go from a shove for Moxley, and then they go nose-to-nose, and then Punk says his little retort and then he shoves Moxley. They go face to face. And uh, this is a recurring theme uh, lately. Moxley's pulling his inner uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. He did it in the match with Effie for GCW, where they did the little tribute to the Gold Dust Rowdy Rowdy Piper thing at the end of it. But uh, he kisses fucking Moxley on the mouth, which, I mean, it's got to be. And I know that Adrian Street used to do this, Piper used to do this. It's got to be one of the most macho demasculating things that you could possibly do if you will like and of course that pisses off punk he pushes them guys such great promos building this up and some of it was fine like the first slap that moxley gave punk when they started hitting each other was great but then you know they start brawling and this will be this it would happen again later when it was positioned that this is going to be on next week's dynamite instead of all out the punches look like fucking shit, though. I'm sorry. It was very noticeable at certain parts. Um, yeah, this was a fucking it was a fucking terrible pull apart, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, it's it's on both of them, too. They both look like that. They were just like 
hand slapping. And then you have to have JR lie and be like, wow, those are full closed fist punches. And I'm like, I don't see close fists at all. I see a lot of missing, actually. Like, Moxley just, like, woofed him at one point. But the promo was great. Pull-aparts both were fine. I'm wondering, and we'll talk about it next, what the reasoning is to have this match next week instead of the pay-per-view. Chris, what do you think? I think part of it has to do with this fucking promo and going off script a little bit and uh, maybe that pushing things <laughs> where they felt like they needed to do something in between. I, I don't know, but uh, I did like that Moxley, because he comes back out and he's like, fuck it, we'll do it next week. I like that as Moxley as a character. Like, he doesn't want to wait. Right. <laughs> I think that's cool. I think it helps, you know, it's going to boost dynamite ratings, which is not a bad thing. Um, it's interesting that, you know, punk, he makes the comments about Adam Cole, but he also talks about, you don't understand what it is to be a champion. And that's kind of what fucking Hangman's promo was. Originally, he was talking about when the lights go off, you're not really a champion. Like you're not insinuating that punk's kind of a dick to his fans and uh, maybe a dick to the people in the back, which is kind of a well-known thing in general, but uh, it was interesting. Some of the, the lines that he used, even after the one that people are, were kind of stuck on uh, where he, where he called him out, but good promos from both guys. As far as story goes, when me and you were talking about it offline, I mean, uh, I mean, if CM Punk just beats him, then there's no need for fucking punk and moxley at the uh at the pay-per-view is this a time to bring back mjf maybe mjf fucking wins the belt and runs off with that son of a bitch like like punk did <laughs> goes into hiding uh if you go back to i, I don't know if maybe that's a oh story my tell, god but... holy shit i didn't even think of, if they <sighs> all right and this is about to go into a direction where i was going to go anyways if maybe i'm giving tony too much credit on building these stories, but all right, you have all out. That's their WrestleMania. Some people say double or nothing to me, all out. The first one was all in. That was the start of everything. To me, that's their fucking pay-per-view. It's in Chicago. What if you had MJF beat fucking CM Punk in Chicago and leave the way that he did at fucking money in the bank or TL, whatever that pay-per-view was where he beat uh, John Cena and left. I mean, it's kind of you reap what you sow. If there, if there are, if this is all a work, you could just set up a four-way match for the title: Moxley, Kingston, MJF, and Punk. That's your pay-per-view match. MJF wins it. He fucking leaves with the belts. So the thing I was going to say is, <sighs> all right. So the credit I'm giving Tony, I'm just looking at stuff, and maybe when I say this and it doesn't pan out, this is going to make Tony look pretty poor as a booker. Going back to the MJF stuff, and now we have reports from Dave Meltzer that uh, they've apparently worked out stuff with MJF, and he's going to be introduced back in the picture soon or something like that. During that time, and don't get me wrong, Dave, Brian, fucking Sean Ross Sapp, there's a lot of good guys when it comes to finding out information that I trust uh, within the industry, but there was a lot of misreporting with the whole MJF thing when that happened. You know, he didn't show up for a meet and greet all of a sudden, which was seemed kind of out of nowhere. He's not happy. You know, then he leaves and then he still has a match, puts Wardlow over, doesn't cause any type of a problem, uh, nothing weird or anything like that. And the biggest thing 
So you're going to have the new Discovery people in attendance on Dynamite. And all this shit happened with MJF beforehand. And you're going to still give him a live mic where he inevitably called, um, you know, uh, called uh, Tony a fucking Mark and told him to release him within lots of other scathing shit. And now he's going to come back. We have this whole entire situation with CM Punk, who's now apparently not happy and almost didn't come to Dynamite. It was being reported. And that was news to me since they were up each other's ass, him and Tony, on the last like two press things about how happy they are and how happy he is. I just call bullshit. I'm sorry. That's my natural instinct. I think all of this is an elaborate work. And I will give Tony a lot of benefit afterwards if that's the case. Because I think that, you know, even with Adam Page stuff, maybe that's to throw some shit in there too. But if he's trying to make some reality within this and that's what he's doing, and maybe the information that he's either corresponding with the different scoopers if you will or or people within the industry of journalism within wrestling he's not giving them the full details or i mean i'm just saying you know he seems to be pretty good friends and just maybe asking as a favor not to fucking go into full disclosure of what's going on i don't know i have no idea if he'd even be able to do that maybe he's tricking them i have no fucking clue like i said maybe i'm giving too much credit to tony but i just don't see the why mjf had the and knowing that he has multiple years still on his fucking contract before he can even leave having that meltdown seemed too convenient if punk didn't get injured they could have gone right into it they waited now all of a sudden he might be coming back uh and punk's unhappy i just think this is all bullshit this is all to try to get some reality based shit within wrestling and aw and if that's the case kudos to tony if not, he has no control over his fucking company. So, you know, he's either he's either doing great stuff or he's like a little bit better than Herb Abrams because he's not doing as much cocaine. <laughs> well, it's one of the it's one of those fucking things where you know if you're gonna have if you're gonna say here's your liner notes, go cut a promo. There's a reason why there's not that many people in WWE that do it. I mean, it is you can have shit like this happen. <laughs> Um, but hopefully it is all a work, man. Hopefully it's all bullshit and it's just setting up for some kind of weird, either a triple threat or four way match at the pay-per-view. I think you could maybe do both. Punk did just like shit in a bunch of people's Cheerios for no reason. So, uh, I would love, and it, 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 this would be a good, like, you know, if they end up feuding afterwards, a way to turn both of them, because I think that if MJF comes back, gets involved, says it's all bullshit. You guys are ex-WWE guys, you know, I'm someone in my friggin' 20s and I'm a prodigy and I'm going to take that belt, causes some shit and finally gets to the point where Tony's coming out and being like, you need to get out of here, you're fucking, you're done. You know, I would even do that and even have like Moxley and, and Punk be like, no, that motherfucker caused so much shit, we are fighting him or I am fighting him or whatever. And then the outcome at the end of it, no matter what, even if it is a four-way or a three-way, or if it's one-on-one, like Moxley's out of the situation now, it's just CM Punk and MJF. If MJF leaves the exact same way that Punk did to Cena and even blows him a fucking kiss, brings the title with him, tells Tony that he's taking it, 
and maybe he'll fucking go and do blah blah blah. It's like a similar concept. Yeah. I think that would be fun. And then afterwards, you can have Punk go in a more heel direction and MJF go in a more babyface direction. But who knows? Yeah, I mean that's what I would do just based on what they've given. It's not gonna. I mean, the the only weird part about this is Hangman has nothing to do with the storyline because he's gonna be tied up with these trios for for a while because I think the story is him and Kenny Omega coming back. I mean, I think that's the match, uh, especially with Adam Cole being hurt. Um, so that was the only that that to me was the weirdest part. But ev- everything else, like if you want to bring back MJF, if you want to get Eddie Kingston involved, and and that maybe be your pay per view match since they haven't done like a four way for the title at uh, at any other pay per views. I think that could be really fun, really cool, um, interesting stuff to say the least. I mean, it was the only reason that I lean towards it not being a work is because it's fucking CM Punk. He has the ability to do that. And he, he also has done shit like this in the past and is kind of a notorious dick at times. So uh, could be either yep. or we, we will see. That's I don't thing. know that this means Tony's. I don't think that this means Tony's company's out of line. Like what is he? He can't, no, not fire, out of line. can't fire I, punk, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's not so much out of line though, Chris, it's more like you don't have control over a lot of shit. If MJF's having all these problems, one of your biggest new guys, and he leaves, and then shortly after that, CM Punk's unhappy, and you know that that's that would not be good if this isn't storyline. <laughs> that would uh, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe they need to go out and find themselves a fucking Haku uh, to keep shit like this in check because that's what WCW used to do. <laughs> like <laughs> send Haku on him, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because because at some point, you know you don't want the wrestlers to be completely scripted, right? Nope. But at the same time, you can't have them doing something that's so off script that it's going to change your fucking storylines, um, which this could have easily done if this wasn't the plan. So, Yeah, it, it, that comment about Paige did not need to happen. If it was the week after, or he comes back, he doesn't hurt his leg, he has that tag match, and then the next week he's addressing it, it's two weeks after the fact. And Adam Page did kind of like take it very personal with his promos, even called out by Punk beforehand. So it makes sense. But when you remove that amount of time, it was just awkward and fucking weird. So don't know where that came from. Unless he's really pissed about caring about insurance or whatever the fuck he was claiming in that one thing. I don't know, man. You know, Punk's, I hate to say this, he's kind of a diva. A little bit. He's tough, but he's kind of a diva. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he should be thanking Paige for carrying him through that fucking pay-per-view match, but whatever. Well, I mean, to counter that, Paige should be thanking him for getting him through that whole entire promo off, building up towards the pay-per-view, because Paige is not believable at all to me. He had uh, to go to tactics of going <laughs> below the belt in order to put some type of, which came out of nowhere. But. He kind of just said the same shit that MJF was saying. The only difference is MJF it played it off as I was a fanboy of yours. But, okay. but MJF is a heel and Adam Page is a huge baby face. So yeah, but Adam kinda... Page was he wasn't the baby face going into that match. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's the champ. When the fuck did that change? I mean, because Punk is going to be the baby face going into that match. I mean, it doesn't matter that fucking Page was the. Page was the champion. Punk was the most over person in the company as a babyface. It means Adam Page had to work as a heel, regardless. Uh, I don't see it like that, but you know, 
You seem to have a lot more problems towards Mr. Phil Brooks from past stuff, and I wasn't around for all that, so maybe that's the reason why. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's whatever. It's Phil Brooks being Phil Brooks. He's the biggest draw in their fucking company, so they're just going to ride with whatever he's going to give them anyways. I don't think that's a bad idea. He helped their ratings a lot. Uh, you know, part of him being pissed off may be that it became the summer of fucking Moxley. <laughs> Moxley. <laughs> Moxley's been on one hell of a run. Uh, I will say that unless they have MJF's involvement, if there's no involvement from MJF, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Even if they're having like a best out of three, you just keep Punk and Moxley for the pay-per-view. So I'll just end it with that too. That makes absolutely no sense. If that this is what you're intending to do, why would you give away the match on, you know, this, this sounds like some WCW shit basically at that point. Yeah. I mean, I guess the idea is to give them, you know, give, even if they don't, if they don't do a three-way or anything is to give Moxley a win in his hometown. And then, Technically, I guess Punk a win in Chicago. It's not necessarily well. I, I mean, I guess it's not his hometown since he's from Cincinnati, but it's going to be in Ohio, which means that Punk, oh. especially after this week, he's going to be getting fucking booed uh, next week. I could almost guarantee you that. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, so next week's in Cleveland. I will say that if if Johnny doesn't come out next week in his hometown, Johnny Gargano. I'm going to assume that WWE and Triple H have worked something out with him and he did not inevitably sign anything with AEW. Because I don't know why you would wait if you're in his hometown to present him. So that to me is a deciding factor on whether or not I'm going to see him on WWE television or AEW television. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think he's I think he's re-signed with WWE. I mean, there's too many people that it, that are would have been close to that investigation right when Gargano was getting released to know that this shit was about to come out. So, I mean, he's, that's a little insider trading, but I'm assuming that they were, the triple H was on the phone with this guy. Like, Hey, give me time, bud. <laughs> we'll get you taken care of. And wherever, wherever it happens, uh, Johnny and uh, Candace will both be great people for either show. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, because Gargano openly said that he never wanted to leave NXT in general. He was fine with finishing his career there. But with Triple H being on the main roster, I'm sure he's fine with going to the main roster at this point. Yep. Should take a crack at it. All right. Uh, fucking another phenomenal match this week happened between Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. So honestly, it was probably my favorite match this week with Kevin Owens and uh, Drew McIntyre right behind it. But just... I mean, Daniel Garcia, it's not unknown to us because they say it on commentary. He's said it himself. Brian Danielson is the guy that he looked up to. I love the setup. I know If we're going to have some stupid fucking theme uh, because we have that House of the Dragon, um, Game of Thrones style show coming to HBO Max. So they're going to do this thing just like they did with Shark Week with the Shark Cage. And you have the Dragon Slayer is what Daniel Garcia is going by now because he beat Brian Danielson before Brian already beat him leading up to his two out of three match. And obviously he's the American dragon. So what other dragons there? Fucking Ricky steamboat. Um, and he is the official bell ringer. Uh, we'll get to the promo that he did with Chris Jericho later on, but, um, just great stuff. I also love seeing, you know, Danielson give respect to steamboat when he came out in his entrance, that would have been a fucking just, Ridiculous match, dragon versus dragon between the two of them. 
my God, if, to 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 put Dragon, I guess is like cements you as it, you just have to be a good fucking wrestler if you choose that. I mean, between Brian Danielson, Fujinami, fucking Steamboat, if you call yourself Dragon and you suck, or Ultimo Dragon's another example. Uh, don't don't choose Dragon if you suck. Don't even go to wrestling actually. But anyways. This match was fucking brutal. I'm just going to get to the first thing where I don't remember how he got a dragon sleeper, but it was just one of the most devastating pile drivers. And I don't know, Brian Danielson, for some reason, and it looked like uh, Garcia was trying to get in position because he was like taking it where he was putting his chin out like he's taking a fucking Styles Clash. And finally, you know, he balanced him, got him in that. Then got him into a dragon sleeper, and Brian Danielson faded away. Garcia started off with one on the two out of threes, and uh, Brian Danielson would come back. Uh, he would reverse, um, you know, Garcia and in, and into a pinfall, and got the second pin. Uh, and then these guys were going back and forth with elbow strikes. Um, there was a part where, you know, it went from the Dragon Tamer. This is a little note on commentary. So they put over Gene LaBelle at one of the points in the match. They're talking about his passing. Gene LaBelle famously trained or partly trained people like, I don't know, Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Rowdy Ronda Rousey. He was a pro wrestler, but he was obviously someone huge within uh, martial arts and he was a stuntman. He's actually the one that Brad Pitt's character was based off of in, um, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and just a badass. And he had they, had, they had this thing where they put him over. And then shortly after that, Brian puts Garcia in the LaBelle lock. And they say the LaBelle lock. And I was like, God damn it. I wish someone would have been like, this is a move that Gene LaBelle, you know, created. Obviously, but that's a stupid, like, little thing. Um, he got uh, Garcia with the running knee. Or, no, no, no. I think Garcia got him with the running knee, and Danielson kicks out. But, obviously, Danielson at the end put in his LaBelle lock one more time and got the win. And then afterwards, Chris Jericho, who was on commentary, ran to the ring, uh, started beating up Brian Danielson, and Daniel Garcia got in the way. Because, you know, Brian Danielson was trying to shake his hand. And uh, Jericho was not having that. They got in each other's face. And we'll talk about the second half with what happened backstage. But um, I thought this match was great, Chris. I thought everything was good about this. Daniel Garcia, especially because if, if this is an original story where... All right, so we need to, like, Jericho to add some character... Get him more comfortable on the mic, and then we're gonna switch him into the the Blackpool Combat Club, basically as Brian Danielson's protege, because that's originally what he wanted within promos. Really good storytelling. Um, I'm just wondering how they're gonna get there, if they're gonna get there. Yeah, so I, I want to say throughout the night, commentary was not great on this show. Why did they switch? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, and also I can deal without Jericho and commentary for a while in, in general. 
Yeah. Um, if he, if he, if, if you know, he needs to do a run in, just have him do a fucking run in. But, uh, he was super annoying on rampage. Um, not as bad here, but on rampage, he was super annoying. Um, this was a great fucking match. I love that hammerlock dragon sleeper that Daniel Garcia is doing. That shit looks awesome. Um, I like the fact that, you know, he, after, after he hit that crazy fucking pile driver and locked that on, he just continued beating the shit out of Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan or whatever you, Brian Danielson, American dragon continued to beat the shit out of him. Uh, and the only reason he, he lost is that he was twerking so hard and ta- now I will say this Taz did a good job on commentary here explaining like sometimes you're twerking so hard it can be easy for someone to roll you into a pin which is what happened which is the only reason daniel garcia lost which i think is a cool story or lost that fall i should say cool storyline arc because otherwise he would have swept him right like if he didn't overdo what he was doing um but anyways but in the third fall brian danielson or daniel bryan got his uh shit back together and was able to get the win but even then there were some great moments with daniel garcia like he avoided the uh it's the running, like, I guess it's like a running one leg drop kick, the psycho kick or whatever. He the dodged one knee. of those. Yeah, he dodged one of those and then hit his own on uh, on the American Dragon. I mean, it was there was just a bunch of really cool spots in this match. I thought the ending was cool. I like the storyline of Daniel Garcia kind of um, not knowing really who he is. It kind of had the Rocky Four moment with the crowd. Or like the crowd hated Daniel Garcia before, but by the end they were chanting, "You're a wrestler! You're a wrestler! You're a wrestler!" Yeah, that's awesome. Which, which was which was great, and uh, I mean this sets up, I guess, uh, Brian Danielson versus Jericho. I would think that's where they're going to go, and uh, I guess winner gets Daniel Garcia. <laughs> I don't know, but that seems like maybe that's the where they're headed for the pay per view, and. Um, and eventually Daniel Garcia having to make the decision of which which side he's on. But great storytelling, like you said. Uh, when they initial, initially just threw Daniel Garcia into that Jericho Appreciation Society, it was like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. But if this was like their long-term booking was to get here and it was just delayed by uh, Brian Danielson being injured, fucking big ups. Like, that's really cool storyline i will say this match would have very much benefited with the ring of honor commentary team oh my god yeah dude yeah that would have made a lot more sense because caprice and, and ian are just so good and so scientific if it was honestly and i hate to say this but if it was excalibur and fucking taz it would have been great yeah that would have been better than what they i think there was just too much on commentary and, and jericho is uh uh, he was in full fucking Jericho mode here, and and even worse, like I said on Rampage, even even worse to some extent. All right, so um, next up, we had Swerve and our Glory and Private Party backstage, and they challenged each other to a match, um, from Shit Talk. But then Tony Nese, uh, he's gonna go for a match, and John Moxley just comes up, beats like nails him from behind, and gets to the ring. He uh, calls out CM Punk, tells him to quit being a bitch, and if anything, they can have this match now, or they can just have this match next week. So they set up that, and I loved it because Claudio and uh, Willer Yuta came out, along with security, to break shit up. And at one part, I don't know if anyone's seen that video online on Instagram 
where it's like the cat is about to start a fight. And all of a sudden, the golden retriever comes and grabs the cat and pulls him. It's like, no, and puts him back in the store. Like, I, I, that's what that's what basically Claudio did. He kept on just grabbing John Moxley with no effort, just being like, God damn it, John. Just like taking him back while Moxley's just like pissed. So thought that was good. Um, and then we had a little thing with, like I said, Jericho. Uh, he tells Garcia that. I'll give him a pass because, you know, they were just through emotions in a big match. Uh, but he needs to figure out whose side he's on. And then Ricky Steamboat appears uh, and told Jericho, you know, they they alluded to it. Can Chris, can I ask you something? Like, I know what happened in, in WWE, but Ricky had a couple matches here and there in the indies afterwards. But, I mean... His last match was SummerSlam, or it was SummerSlam, or whatever match he had with Jericho. So they were alluding to the fact that they had that last match, but they couldn't really put it over. But couldn't Jericho just be like, I retired him? Like, he kind of did. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like they were kind of going around that. But it's like, yeah, they obviously had a match, and Jericho, you know, defeated Ricky, you know? So... I don't know. It's a little thing, but what do you think? Yeah, that was it. Was kind of an awkward conversation because they can't directly reference anything, right? Um, without the potential of being sued. So I, I don't even remember. I, I remember Ricky Steamboat having a little run there um, during that time period, but th- the biggest thing would have been Orton. I mean, it was a setup for Legend Killer stuff with the Orton, if I remember correctly. So I don't. Didn't he work a match with Flair too when he was there? Like I, I, those are so. I'd have to go back and watch that. That's been so long ago, and I haven't thought about yeah. it in years and years. Uh, as far as like what would have been retire retiring, but I I did like that they tried to bring up their history, and Jericho's like I didn't even fucking like you then was pretty good. Um, for yeah, his I, character. I love I love their banter, and Steamboat's still great. He's still great on the mic. Um, you know, he just basically says that I, I feel like Danielson would be a way better mentor for Garcia than you would, Chris, because I know you. And Chris told him to fuck off. He walks off. I forgot what the name of the guy is, and I apologize, but he tried to like he tried to like choke Ricky Steamboat, and Ricky Steamboat smacked his hand and fucking chopped the shit out of him. <laughs> where it made a noise. Now the the one thing I will say, just a little nitpick, and I've heard other people say this. If Steamboat did that in the ring to someone, that would have been a huge pop. But it still got a really great reaction from the audience. But, like, if he got involved in that little ending part between Jericho and Garcia and Brian Danielson and chopped the shit out of whoever, that that might have been a little bit cooler. What do you think? Oh, maybe they're saving it and he's going to be, like, a special guest referee or something. That's cool. Hey, you know, he actually save, knows save, how to save that pop. Yeah. Um, save that in-ring pop for the pay-per-view if they go that route. I could see them doing something like that. Um, my favorite part about this was the TNT hit this transition right after Ricky hit that fucking <laughs> chop. So it just looked like the guy exploded. It looked like he hit him with a Hadouken. It was like... <laughs> 
so I don't. I, I mean, I'm assuming that that wasn't on purpose, but it's just one of those things that's so fucking great. I can't not think about it, talk about it. I'm glad that there's like a hundred Reddit posts on it too. So <laughs> it's amazing. All right. So after that, we had. All right. So we have the Gun Club and the Varsity Blondes. Gun Club destroys him. I don't even know if Brian De- or Brian Pillman Jr. got in the ring. Griff Garrison got dropped with the Cult 45. They win. And Billy Gunn gets in the ring. He's like, that's what I'm talking about. Proud of you guys. And, uh, you know, claiming that his career is working. Stokely Hathaway then comes out and stands on the entrance ramp while the gun club suddenly attacks their father from behind, jumping him. Um, And then the acclaim comes out. They save him, and then Billy Gunn and them were scissoring. So, um, what I mean by that is with their finger. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Um, after that, we had. We'll, we'll go into that. I'll, <laughs> I'll pass it to you in a second. But de- just to just to finish this up, Death Triangle, um, Pac basically called out Will Ospreay, and they're going against the United Empire. So that's pretty cool too. Because I mean, if I get to see two of the best Brit wrestlers, Pac and fucking Will Ospreay. Besides the fact, with all the guys they have with them, that'll be a fun-ass match next week. But, uh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this, Chris. I feel like they're kind of rushing something that they could have put a little more uh, time into with this whole gun club thing. And I also, I'm going to keep on saying, I feel bad for Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, uh, with Brian Pillman Jr., I mean, he, he's got he's to get all the varsity blondes and, and maybe reset. Um him and Brock, man, with Arn Anderson. It's like perfect. I love that tag team. They're doing it on the indies. Yeah, they could do that. They could also do something where Moxley gets a someone that he can mentor in this group because so far it's just Bri- been Brian Danielson mentoring uh, Willer Yuta and <laughs> uh, possibly Daniel Garcia. Where's the fucking Moxley guy? Maybe and they get the unhinged from Cincinnati. Filming. Yeah, you get the unhinged Pillman. He starts losing his mind, you know, because he's just tired of whatever's going on. That would be maybe where I would go with it. But him and um, love it. Him and Arn's son together as a tag team. They were pretty good on that Ric Flair's last uh, match show. So I'm not against that either. There, there's definitely cooler things that you can can do with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was just a setup to get to the match next week, which is going to be fucking what Billy Gunn versus Colton Gunn. Can't remember which gun. It's going to be one of his sons, father versus son match, first ever on AEW. So, do you think they've rushed this storyline at all, though, or do you think it's it's fine? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this. I wouldn't have changed that group because I think they were super over together because it was just such a weird fucking pairing that I wouldn't have went this fast with it, but I, I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of like a mid card act anyway. So maybe Tony was just, wasn't that worried about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, you know, I know that he's probably said some stuff that people that are AW fans don't like, but if you got road dog in there, man, and he's now a tag team of the ass boys and their mouthpiece, man, that's an interesting concept right there. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, Road Dog's like coming off as like a needy ex-girlfriend or something on fucking Twitter right now. So 
he just, he just keeps telling AEW to sign him and then not sign him and then bitching on Twitter. So, so weird. Uh, it, it's all work. He's, yeah, I, I don't know if it's all work or not. It's like, <laughs> a, like I said, it's coming off as like a needy ex-girlfriend with some of his tweets. And, and some of it, he's just making comments about the show, etc. But he has been like, they should hire me. They should hire me. It's like, well, they fucking have Arn Anderson and like Jerry Lynn and Jake the Snake Roberts and a bunch of other people that are great wrestling minds. I don't necessarily know that you being there would fucking change anything, but okay. He just needs to be in this match or in this, in this pairing. I don't need him backstage working. I just want, (laughs) I want Billy Gunn with the fucking acclaimed against road dog. Jesse James with Billy Gunn's sons, the ass boys. I think it'd be perfect. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it definitely comes off as like, Hey, please give me a job with the way. Oh yeah. The way he's been going on Twitter. I mean, it's it's not like he's not going to get his job back if he wants it with WWE. Now that fucking hunters or if some job that hunters like, you know, in charge, give me a break. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. You would think that maybe now he can lay off the Twitter, but yeah, I think it's a fun idea to, to bring him in. Yeah, until then, to get to All Out, we need him with the gun club. It just needs to happen. All right. Now, fantasy booking aside. So we have Jungle Boy. He comes out. Um, he said that he was he got in trouble for wearing the T-shirt that Christian is a pussy. Um, and, uh, yeah, just starts talking about him. Um try to hit Christian or he believes that the shirt hit the nail on the head as he tried to hit Christian cage with every chance he could with his hands, a chair, and even a car. And Tony Schiavone goes, yep, I remember that one. Cause let's not forget. He was so willing to kill Christian. He was going to kill Tony Schiavone too. Who was interviewing him. And that back statement, he points out that Christian has done nothing about it. And he will either uh, continue to push him until he gets his hands on him, or he can man up and face him at all out. And so Christian comes out, and he basically, you know, starts talking to him. Um, Luchasaurus was suspended for last week, apparently. Um, but Christian just said that, you know, you're you're like a son to me. I, I said that a bunch of stuff that. I didn't mean, you know, all this stuff and then ended it with like, I could be basically your new father in which Jungle Boy started beating the shit out of him. And uh, he slammed uh, Jungle Boy onto the guardrail, but Jungle Boy fired back, throwing Christian to the stairs and then stomped his arm. Uh, He then bashed Cage's head into the stairs several times when security came there and pulled it apart. So there you go. Um Jungle Boy's trying. I know the mic has never been easy with this whole entire thing. I think working with Christian has been a good thing. I think they'll have a good match at All Out. I still am wondering what the fuck direction they're going with Luchasaurus, though. That's the only thing. Because if he's now in cahoots with Jungle Boy, that's stupid. And there was no need to give him a heel change or whatever the fuck they tried to do. Make his costume black now instead of green. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, well, Luchasaurus has not hit Christian at all, so I'm that's assuming that I'm that's still it's it's gonna be Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus, and then Jungle Boy versus Christian after. He's gonna have to go through Luchasaurus first, 
um, which makes a lot of sense. And, and sometimes what makes the most sense is the best thing to do. Um, as far as the promo, he started getting what chance, and I think that threw him off a little bit. And um, this might be a wrestler where it would be better to have someone else write his promos. That there, there is situations where that is not necessarily the worst thing to do. Because uh, I, I think he did a really good job on that first promo coming back where he called Christian a pussy. It was more of a response to Christian's promo. Um, but like him coming out and kind of doing the long format, I'm going to call this guy out promo did not really work here. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it wasn't the whole, it wasn't like the whole crowd was doing what or anything, but there was a subsection there and you could tell it kind of rattled him a bit and, uh, they got back to it and this will be fine. But I do think Luchasaurus is going to come before we get that Christian match. Yep. All right. Um, we had, uh, not even an interview, just FTR and Wardlow were shown backstage. Uh, Cash Wheeler was saying that Wardlow didn't ask for help, but they weren't going to sit by and watch nobody mess with the pinnacle. Uh, Wardlow claims it doesn't matter how big they are. Uh, he says that he basically wants to powerbomb. He he insinuated, I don't know how the hell he'll do it, but uh, that he wants to powerbomb Sing. Do you think that he could fucking do that, Chris? The guy's like 7'3". I'm just getting I mean, a Kevin Nash trying to fucking powerbomb the 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 Big Show concept in my head. I don't know if I, he's big enough to lift him. If Singh goes up light, it shouldn't be a problem, right? Hopefully, if he can go up if light. He, if he doesn't fucking sandbag him, it should be fine. I guess I, I have less reliability on Singh than I do on Wardlow for being able to pull it off. Um, but... Either way, Dax Harwood also challenged Jay Lethal to a match for this next week, which should be fucking awesome. We're looking forward to that. And uh, apparently they're, they're keeping the, uh, the pinnacle concept alive in, in some way. And honestly, I think all these guys could use it. Um, hmm. You know, what we are talking about earlier, fantasy booking, we get to, and it's not that far away, we get to all out. And uh, someone's introduced in the mix and then wins the title. I know he has problems with Wardlow, but if they could just get over that, position him as a babyface almost, like we're already talking about, the Pinnacle would be back together and all of them would have titles. And all of you out there, including Chris and me at the time, forgot about Sean Spears. What the fuck happened to him? Anyways, I'm just saying, MJF with a title, <laughs> if he could ease tensions between Wardlow and him, if he gets that belt and they all have the belts, that's a pretty cool look. Always looks good, especially if you're trying to go for a horseman concept. I, I forgot Sean about Sean Spears. <laughs> he was didn't, he was building himself back up finally, and then he lost Tully. He lost the group, and I don't know what happened to him. He's married to Peyton Royce though, so good on him. He got m- murdered by Wardlow and then just disappeared from the show. <laughs> Uh, cause that was like before he had to go through the, tri- like Wardlow had to go through those trials or whatever. That was one of the guys he beat. Yep. Uh, but that's the last time I saw him on TV. I don't know. Maybe he's been on elevation or one of those shows, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is weird. I wouldn't have these guys working together at all. No, I, I kind of liked Wardlow by himself and I liked what they proposed beforehand with FTR and punk. 
kind of being a unit. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, but FTR doesn't need a fucking unit. They're like tag teams in three different companies. Tag champions. They should just be FTR. They should be getting a fucking tag team title match against Swerve and Keith Lee. They have to be the number one ranked team. Like, I don't. They've been the number one ranked team for the last two months, actually. (laughs) So. That always I, lets us know about that track record every fucking time. Yeah, so it's just impossible for me to give a fuck about this. And and also, if you're going to do a trios, why the fuck are they not in the trios tournament? Yeah, that's a good point. I can get some more gold. Maybe even fuck over the the, uh, the Bucks and uh, Kenny. That'd be crazy. Yeah. All right, so we had a match where Tony Storm... They introduced uh, Kylene King, which I know her from NWA, Ring of Honor. I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. The one thing that's cool about her, because obviously the size difference, she's kind of like a giant because she's like 6'1 within all the women's. Uh, but no one really knew her. And Tony Storm, I mean, this was just for her to get a win. And they announced while she was watching the match, you know, watching on a monitor in the back, um, Thunder Rosa will be going against her tag team, partner from thunderstorm tony storm at all out and it didn't seem like from last night that uh Britt baker really cared about that so I don't, I don't know why she's so cool about that but whatever uh what do you think about this match and uh the after stuff oh the match itself i thought was really good I th- they worked well together in the ring i was i was kind of surprised i don't know that i would have had tony storm uh, give up so much offense, but yeah, but, um, it was it was fine for what it was. And uh, the after promo, like I I don't understand where they're going with that storyline, but I will say shout out Burt Baker for wearing a kiss shirt, so that was cool. It was cool. It was pretty damn cool. All right, so we had uh, an addition to the commentary team that was actually pretty good <laughs> uh, because in this match. The last match, we had Andrade El Idolo, Rush, and his brother, his younger brother, Dragon Lee, going against the Young Bucks and a mystery person. That mystery person ended up being Kenny Omega. Uh, Love seeing Kenny back. Strange, you know, uh, he had a lot of brace, like he had braces on his, his, his legs that seemed new. He had a concussion, long sleeve shirt. He had a shoulder, uh, you know, brace on to underneath the shirt. Uh, so looking like basically he's held together by needles and fucking, you know, a couple things, bandages and shit. And um, match is really good. This is another situation, Chris. I don't know if. And I told I told you what I thought, but I mean, I could be completely wrong. It just, you know, we've heard. Can he kind of talk about, like, he doesn't know if he'll be able to come back to the same level that he was, that he could always have these injuries being a problem. You know, if you're if you're Kenny Omega and you're that much into your, you know, uh, field within pro wrestling, uh, you're not going to come back, I feel like, before you're ready to. And I don't think Tony's going to kind of, like, push you toward just because All Out's coming up or if you have the fucking the triple tag team. You're more concentrated about your body of work and getting better. 
Now there is a thing about the whole triple tag, the uh, you know three man tag team championships. That'll give Kenny, if he is dealing with like a lot of stuff still, a chance not to be in the ring the whole entire time. I just feel like this is a fucking work. I feel like him messing up the uh, you know the moonsault in the corner, um, and and certain other things. It just it didn't look cooperated, but it just looked kind of. He could have done that himself. I'm wondering if this is going to be like a, a moment within the storyline that Kenny thinks that, you know, in, in his his apparent tweet that he said and then like the comments afterwards about him not trying to let down the Young Bucks, but he's going to keep on going at it. I just feel like this is going to be something where we're going to see him return to a very similar level and maybe just like Punk did with his foot, you know, he was at C2E2. Oh, um, you know... I don't know when I'm going to be able to get off this ankle. Like it's still messed up limping and shit like that. And two weeks later, he's fine. I don't know. Kay could still have be having problems, but do you think that maybe he's not really having as big of problems as everyone thinks? And this is actually to throw us off and we're going to see, you know, him come out the best bout machine more and more leading up to all out. I think there's potential for that, but there's also potential that that's part of the story so that the Young Bucks lose in the finals, right? That he's going to have to go through this already kind of banged up coming back from the injury. Um, just because I don't think that they're, I don't know that they're going to put the trios title on Kenny and in, in the Bucks. I think they might just be setting up, and I, I told you this kind of offline, um, setting up the elite versus the dark order, but to really get out of that, it's not, they're not, they don't even really care about the trios title. It's to just set up a match between hangman and, and Kenny. So I, I think that's potentially where they're going with that. And I do think that he is selling more than like, obviously he's overselling his injuries, similar to like Nick Jackson and the golden lovers match. If you remember that, I think that it's kind of more of that than actually being hurt. Kenny's coming back off injury. I mean, he was legitimately fucked up. So when he talks about like maybe not being able to be the best bout machine that he previously was, I think there is some reality to that. Now, how it played out in this match, I think that was just him selling and uh, him and Dragon Lee, their selling in general was fucking incredible in this match. So uh, good on both those guys. And the one thing I would say about this match, I thought it was really, really good. A fun match. I wish it was longer. It seems like they had to rush for time. And then we pretty I much got it. Was the hot tag, honestly. I, I wish they didn't go to him as, as quick as they did. I wish they kind of built that up a little bit more. But that's, you know. Yeah, I did like the ending where he fucking absolutely murdered Dragon Lee with a V-trigger. And then kind of had to put everything he could into it to pick him up to give him the one winged angel, but it still got the finish done. I thought that was like a nice touch. Um, Mm -hmm. More, more of the problem I had with this match was the aftermath of them jumping dragon Lee because they were doing that right as it went off air. So I didn't even realize that they had demasked dragon Lee and ripped his mask in half. Well, Um, the, the funny thing is they didn't mean for that to happen. If you go back and watch, I think like Roosh's like foot accidentally like kicked it off his head. So I don't even know if they meant to mask him uh, at least at that point. But yeah, Kenny looked like he wanted to go back and try to fight them. But fucking Nitro style 96, 97, it just went off. 
Like, I don't even know if Excalibur got to say everything he wanted to do. Right. And I will give them a little bit of props because at least they showed us a recap on Rampage of that full thing because the Bucks popped back in the ring and, and uh, Andrade and, and Roosh dumped out at that point. But I, I love the setup because the, the beginning of that match, uh, Dragon Lee went and shook everyone hand, uh, everyone's hand. Well, except for I think it was Nick Jackson was like, fuck all that. Um, but he did go over and shake Kenny's hand in one of the Jackson brothers hands. Uh, prior to the match, and you could tell his team was already pissed off at him at that point. So at least they're playing that into a storyline, which will set up uh, Dragon Lee. And maybe maybe he brings in someone from Ring of Honor, maybe like a Bendito. Mm. To help him out against these uh, dastardly Andrade and, and Bruce. I'm down for that for sure, man. But a uh, really excellent episode of uh, Dynamite. Really good stuff. I enjoyed it. Um, I also enjoyed in this match the commentary when Don Callis is like, where the hell's a referee? <laughs> and JR said something to the extent I was like, who cares? <laughs> or something like that. He's gotten so crotchety that I can't even get mad because a lot of the times like it's stuff that I'm also annoyed by. And it's like, I know JR is going to back me up in about two seconds. Oh, he already said it. Never mind. <laughs> he just called that it was great. shit out. There was another great line Don Callis had where he's like, well, Kenny Omega's a wrestling god, so Kenny Omega at 40% is better than most of the people in this ring at 100%. <laughs> uh, it was pretty good. I like that Don Callis legitimately treats Kenny Omega as a fucking anime character. <laughs> he's like, he's Goku. Yeah, he's unstoppable. It's... it's uh. It's pretty good. It's going to be interesting to see where they go with the trio storyline. I do think that the the end goal is just to do Hangman and uh, Kenny Omega, and then maybe we Will Osprey will be sprinkled in there at some point because that that is one thing that did really seem like a work, even though Will Osprey used some very foul language. But that that definitely seemed uh, to be, hey, we want to do a match with Kenny versus Will. So. Yep, I'll agree. All right, um, let's let's uh let's go to SmackDown last night. So we start off with Ronda Rousey coming out of the crowd, right? To start things off, she's still suspended. Last SmackDown, she beat the shit out of a couple uh, different people, referees and security guards. Got one in an armbar. She's been continuing to do this. Like, I really enjoyed it last time because, like, Rhonda still is not good. You could tell that she's never been a public speaker. She doesn't understand, like, the rhythm uh, to it. So that's still an issue. But her being more dominant, more confident, the audience is reacting to it. When she came out with a briefcase of money and said, here, here's fucking hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I'll pay it off. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, bring out some more people. I'll hurt them. And her interaction with her old best friend, Shayna Baszler, and Shayna being like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you got to fucking apply it to the rules. And Ronda putting in her place and being like, like, you used to be a badass. You used to be the queen. And, you know, now you're finally, after how long, climbing back to the championship picture. So we're setting shit up beforehand. Ronda comes out. She talks a little bit of shit. And then, of course, Adam Pierce brings police officers after she kicks the crap out of a couple of security guards to arrest her. 
And uh, she's just saying the same shit. She's like, I, I don't care. It's like, you know, it's coming off a lot better. I still think personally she needs a mouthpiece. But if our goal is, and no offense to Liv Morgan, but Shayna beats Liv Morgan, and then we get Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey, she's getting a good reaction from the audience. She really is. They started cheering her when she got arrested. So if, if she's going to be this badass baby face, I would still possibly get her someone that is better on the mic that can be your manager. Uh, but this is effective, I think. And uh, just it's only a matter of time, guys. All, all you Liv Morgan fans, I'm sorry. She had her reign, right? She did it. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I still don't understand how there's Liv Morgan fans, but uh, <laughs> outside of that... <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think this is a cool buildup. I like that the Liv Morgan match kind of ended with. You could tell that Ronda Rousey stirred something in Shayna Baszler because she's like, I could break your arm right now uh, later in the show and literally could have. Um, and then just punt kicks her in the head. I think that's fun. It's good if you are a Liv Morgan fan. It's a good story because if she beats Shayna Baszler, it's a, you know, underdog babyface tale of her retaining the title. But. Uh, yeah, the setup seems to be building towards Ronda versus Shayna, which Triple H has wanted to do forever, and I think would will be a very fun match and kind of a cool story. As far as Liv Morgan goes, if you listen to this show, you know I'm not a huge fan. I, I've been done with this experiment for a long time. I do think Shotzi's uh, fucking tweets at, at her were pretty funny. She's like, well, you just... What'd you say? Uh... She referenced Liv Morgan getting Ruby Riot fired, essentially. It was like, you can't truck through everyone with green hair. Um, uh, so that's out there. So I don't know if Shotzi got in any trouble. But they had a really good match together. So uh, I wish they would do more with Shotzi Blackheart. But they obviously have big plans. They want they want Ronda versus Shayna, which I'm okay well, with. At least we've wanted that for a while. Well, at least in the uh, you know the thick of it, Shotzi, I have more faith getting treated right with Triple H, you know, in charge than beforehand with Vince, who did not get her at all. And she came off like a tough ass actually in her fucking her promo right before that match, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, can I put over Pat McAfee, Chris? Uh-huh, yeah. He did have some annoying moments during this show, though, so <laughs> I'll get to those. Well, the fact that he name-dropped Jim Cornette, <laughs> uh, recalling him as a legendary manager, the reason why he was going into the fact that this was, I don't know, some anniversary since the pilot of SmackDown with Michael Cole back in uh, 1999, and Jim Cornette was... 1200th episode i think is what they said yeah whatever it is you know the first one was jim Cornette and michael cole a lot of people forget that uh but just referencing him as legendary manager i wonder if pat mcafee listens to uh you know Cornette's podcast Cornette always puts him over but he also i like that like when there was some mic issue where they didn't uh raise the gain in it obviously or volume in it when ronda went to go talking to it and you could just tell and McAfee kind of covered for it a little bit and said that, like, you know, management must have been, like, trying to cut off the microphone. thought that was smart. So, um, but, yeah, Pat McAfee talking about Jim Cornette on SmackDown. Didn't think I'd hear that. 
Yep, I'm sure Jim Cornette will blush and uh, reference it on his show. Uh, we didn't talk about this real quick. Uh, you mentioned the Effie Moxley match. Uh, so Jim Cornette buried the hell out of the finish of that match. I'm not sure if you've heard this or seen about this, but Moxley locked on the bulldog choke and Effie jerked off while getting choked out. That was the finish to that match. So just heads up if anyone's sensitive to that kind of thing. Uh, I did not know that, actually. That's the ending of it. I, wow. Yeah. Yeah, even if you're insinuating it, I don't know why the hell that would be a good idea to do. Mm, Yeah, if I was Tony Khan, I definitely would not necessarily be happy about my fucking heavyweight champion doing that leading into my pay-per-view, but... See, I only saw the – I thought people had an issue with him kissing Effie, and I was like, dude, that's literally the same thing that Piper and Goldust did when he stripped him off, and then for some reason Goldust is wearing lingerie, and then Piper is like, huh, and then he just kissed him right on the lips, knocked him out, and gave him the, sl- the sleeper. I but, haven't seen the match. I just, I'm just i just going off of what I've heard, but that was the that's the reason that was became more controversial. I just thought I'd bring it up now since – damn, we were – I, w- I I debated someone not knowing that information. Now I feel stupid. I was like, oh, come on. Effie just does the same shit that people like Adrian Street and fucking Goldust did. I didn't know he jerked off in it. I mean, even Cornette, to some extent, to get he, he used to kiss like each of the Midnight Express on the cheek before the match and shit. That's like that's an ongoing theme. It's more of like a, I think it has more to do with the finish. Uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't try match. to finish while the finish is happening, basically. Right. And like get it while getting choked, it's kind of an insinuation that you're into audio. Uh, what is it, audio asphyxiation erotica or whatever, which killed David Carradine. Uh, yeah. So that that's why people were heated on that. Sorry. No, that's crazy. All right. So we had to have a change. Uh, Shawn Michaels basically gave a new tag team because uh, Zoe Starks fucking sucks. She's in the um, the tournament, or she had a match with Nikita Lyons going against someone. Uh, maybe it was Toxic Attraction, but Zoe Stark hurt herself again, just coming back from injury, just like Chris Statlander, basically. So she's going to be out for a while. So they were going to have them in this tournament go against uh, Sonya Deville and Natalia. And there in Montreal, Natalia is over as shit. Uh, and in their place, they put Toxic Attraction, which I think makes a lot of uh, sense. Um, I like JC Jane, but I really like Gigi Dolan. You know, Priscilla Kelly, Gigi Dolan, she looks a lot taller on television. She just looks taller. I, I always forget size differences between the men and women. Because when I met her in person, she's about... I want to say she was shorter than Darby when I saw them at the bar together. Um, But I don't know. It's just uh, very strange. And I just remember her just like laughing or uh, in 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 more of a fond way at Brian Pillman Jr. When he was kind of drunk by himself dancing in the middle of the uh, thing. Uh, That was so weird that these people all blew up (laughs) right after that event. I was right next to MJF waiting for him to say some dick comment towards me. But um. (laughs) Didn't happen. <laughs> GD Dolan is someone that I thought they were going to do more with, so I, I would like to see her separated from Toxic Attraction at some point. 
Well, they try to go for a screw job concept, if you will. That didn't end up happening. But a distraction from Bailey and her group who decided to purchase tickets um, because they're from Monday Night Raw right in the front row behind Michael Cole. So we got that wonderful concept once again. And uh, <laughs> Bailey just throwing popcorn at him, talking shit about him, you know, cutting him off every five seconds. Do you think Michael Cole felt more uncomfortable with Bailey cutting him off or Vince McMahon in his ear cutting him off every five seconds? Do you think it's that or do you think they're trying to build the Michael Cole Bailey relationship that they have with like Tony and Britt Baker? Maybe. Um, Could be. Now, I will say that I think Bailey did a good job of putting over the fact that she fucking hates Montreal and didn't want to be on the show, but still showed up. Because on Twitter, she's been burying Montreal <laughs> like all week because the fans kind of turned on her when she got injured, I guess. I don't know if you saw any of that, but I thought it was a nice touch. Yeah, and just good stuff in general, man. Um, you know, she's a, she's a badass. She's hilarious on the mic. All the stuff with her and Michael Cole was entertaining. Uh, Pat, you know, making Michael Cole realize shit that Bailey's saying towards him was great. Um, she put over Toxic Attraction, that they're a bunch of badasses. So I thought all that stuff, it reminded me of stuff I actually enjoyed out of the fucking terrible era that was the pandemic era of wrestling. But uh, just, a, just an interesting concept, and obviously Toxic Attraction won, and they continue within this whole thing. Yeah. Fun match. Um, I like that Bailey's getting a lot of screen time and, and they're trying to build that group up. Um, uh, that's pretty much all. I, I don't remember any specific spots or anything, but I, I do remember enjoying the match. So backstage, we had a series of segments with Sami Zayn, uh, got word that Roman Reigns wanted to talk to him. So he went to Roman's room and Roman doesn't have anyone there because revealed that the, uh, the Usos um, were held up. Oh, actually, I'm sorry it's popped in my head, but we almost had, I think, a devastating injury when the Usos attacked Drew McIntyre. And it wasn't really anyone's fault. Just shit happened. But I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but Drew went to go clothesline Jimmy outside and his his head and neck wasn't able to do it so he kind of rolled out uh after falling from the uh, clothesline and right when he did that jay got thrown over drew and when he smacked he basically went ass right into fucking jimmy's neck and smacked right on top of them um glad that jimmy used was okay because that could have been really fucking bad it looked bad i don't know if you remember that so I remember the spot, but I didn't recognize that it was as bad as it was. So I'll have to, I'll have to go back and rewatch that. Um, I like this more serious Drew McIntyre and the fact that he's not fucking carrying his sword around. So, oh, God. Yep. All right. So anyway, Sami Zayn's talking. They actually both bitched about... Um... Jimmy Uso or, or, or uh, Jay Uso and how he's so just difficult to work with and he's been so aggressive and it seems like Sammy's actually making 
Rome, this is why I think that this is all going to be turning on somewhat soon. Because it, it just seems like Roman was too easy to, like, agree with him. And uh, Zanes was implying that the, Inter- the Intercontinental Championship would look really nice in the bloodline. And then asked Zane, like I said earlier, to deliver a message to Kevin Owens uh, that he doesn't owe him anything. And was very aggressive about that. Uh, Zane worked so well with top people in general. Um, you know, we saw with Reigns, we've seen it with Brock Lesnar in the past. He's just able to to make it believable. But yeah, Roman basically was like, "Go on, get the IC belt, bring it back home to the uh, to the group, the the bloodline." And uh, well, well, we'll get to there. But yeah, I love this. Um, I thought this was great. <laughs> what two random different fucking people hanging out together. This was like, I wish that they could try to recreate um, a training day. Uh, and just redo- <laughs> With Roman Reigns being Denzel's character and Sammy being Ethan Hawke's character. <laughs> Are they still doing ride-along? This would be a fun ride-along. Oh my god, <laughs> we get a ride-along. Like fucking... Sami Zayn driving Roman Reigns around Montreal. <laughs> that would have been a good ride along. Um, yeah, this is a fun segment. I think Roman was pretty much on fire this entire night because I think his promo later in the night was one of the best promos of the week. It's going to be overshadowed because it's Roman Reigns, but I thought it was a really good fucking promo. He's so good at doing what he needs to do. You know what I'm saying, Chris? So good. Yeah, like I specifically the fact that he referenced back to Monday Night Raw and was like, "You're talking about carrying the company on your back, huh?" <laughs> and if you think about Roman's career, that'd be like someone telling John Cena they were carrying the company when John Cena was on top. He's like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> well, it's it's weird because Roman now has that, and it's like the same effect that. You know, he cl- he kind of called out Cena for that Cena had for the time period where he called The Rock out for. So, yeah, you have like those type of things like, oh, OK, like I'm the top guy now. Like I'm top guy now. And what happens with all of them, Chris? They get further in their career and they don't go to as many of the shows. And uh, the fans are mad at them for that. But... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There, there was years and years and years of both Cena and Roman Reigns working like 300 plus days a year. So if they want to take eight weeks off, I'm fucking fine with it. Exactly. Hi, kitty cat. Keeps the on. People, the people that are mad at that are going to be the same people that are going to be super mad at whatever this card is finishes. <laughs> so we will, we will hear for them soon. I'm sure. Yeah. No shit. All right, so we had a match for the number one contender for the IC Championship. Um, oh, no, well, before that, we had... This was really weird. We had uh, Maximum Male Models with Max and Maxine Dupree with Monse and Mansoor. But all of a sudden, Hit Rose music hits. Uh, and they came out, and they told them to take a hike and did their new hit single, We're Back. This is fine, you know. Thing is, like, these type of segments, the thing that made the Usos 
like it's so much fun to see the Usos go against the New Day is because they were actually rapping back and forth. They were freestyling. And I get Hit Row's whole thing is like all of them are musicians in real life. All of them are producers in real life and they're wrestlers. That's cool. But it's going to be better if you can use a promo to fucking just bury someone freestyling than just coming out as a musical act. Does that make sense, Chris? Yeah, I agree. Um, is this the end of the models? <laughs> I hope so. I feel so bad for fucking L.A. Knight. Get him out of that shit. It seems like they're repackaging him, right? Because he was he even around for this? I don't even remember. Was he part of this? I can't remember right now. Yeah, he was, but it's it's embarrassing. Yeah, that that's something that I could see easily getting written off this show. Um, but uh, Hit Row being back, I, I like that. But I'm, I'm much on the same page as you. It's, I, I don't know. I, I mean, if Wu-Tang Clan was a wrestling group and they came out and did their new single as an established hip-hop group, that would be different than like, hey, we're Hit Row, we, we're wrestlers, but we also rap. Like Rocky Romero point. doesn't Rocky Romero doesn't do that. He he produces music and raps and he, it's not he doesn't tie that necessarily into his wrestling stuff. And at least at least they're actually rapping. I do appreciate that the beats have been good from stuff I've heard in the past. And they're not just saying their name a bunch of times. So <laughs> listen. <laughs> hey, I'm not no, I'm not I'm not I'm not taking shots at him at all. I'm taking shots at modern rap. Yeah, I was just uh, making a joke on the listen. differences. <laughs> but yeah, I like Hit Row. I like. I think AJ actually himself has a lot of potential. I've been saying that for a while. Uh, it's weird with them without Swerve, but you know that's what happens. And I'm glad everyone's doing better now. Yeah, they're not getting Swerve back, so they're just gonna have to figure it out. I, I'm still blown away that they got rid of Swerve to begin with, because well, I'm not. I'm not. And completely shocked, but uh, there was a, there's always been a lot of potential there, and I think that once him and Keith Lee eventually explode, that that's someone to look out for in the future of, of AEW. I agree. All right, so we had uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlett. They were in a pre-tape promo. Uh, they claimed that Drew McIntyre was chosen by the powers that be over him, and deep down, even the Scottish Warrior knows that he is wrong. Um, they presented an hourglass that would end up with Drew McIntyre's shit later on. So, you know, just claiming that Cross is back and he's taking his position back in the company and don't fuck with them. So we went to a match with Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Matt Capmoss, Happy Corbin, and Sheamus. And uh, this was to see who was going to go against, like I said, Gunther for the IC Championship at the Clash of the Castle. And uh, Sammy was fucking like, like I said, he got like, I'm not trying to joke. He was so over in his home city of Quebec, Canada. Uh, he got a road warrior pop. He came out. People were fucking just. Ah, Sammy's um, I would have sucked all that in. It was weird, really weird. I, I don't know where they're going to be next Monday, but not having Kevin Owens involved at all was kind of strange since they were in quebec but um god damn it dude sheamus throughout this match and he ended up winning and i thought he was gonna win just because i mean uh shit happens to people like nikki and dewdrop but 
Sheamus has been a past champion. He's from Ireland. He's not on this card. Him, apparently him and fucking uh, Gunther, they've already had matches before. Uh, they just weren't televised. They were over in Europe and shit. So these guys will have a awesome striking match. They'll just beat the living shit out of each other. So I'm really looking forward to that match. But I thought everyone showed up. They had a really good match. We had that part where, like, Sammy's, like, getting everyone with blue thunder bombs and Mishinoku drivers and just fucking up people. Uh, but, yeah. Um, ended up with Sheamus hitting Corbin with a bro kick, and he got the win. Throughout this, Sammy did, quote-unquote, hurt his, uh, his, his uh, elbow or whatever. Had to be taken out. Came back out. We thought he was going to get it. Kind of a hope spot. But uh, this was fun. I enjoyed this. Yeah, really good match. A lot of fun. They're building Sami Zayn back as a babyface. That's what it seems like, right? He's eventually going to get killed by the bloodline, join his best friend Kevin, have a tag run, and then maybe a singles run as a babyface. And and you heard that pop. That pop used to be like every week on NXT when he was a babyface there. So I think they can get back there. Maybe he's salvageable. Uh, with Triple H at the reins, but uh, it, there was a point in time where I thought Sami Zayn, especially coming out of NXT and having that big match with John Cena, um, where he lost basically because he was still injured from Kevin Owens powerbombing the shit out of him, where he could have been a huge baby face. And I, I still think that there's room for that because he does have like a natural charisma to him and the crowd digs, you know, just buys into him uh with whatever like they try their best to make him a heel and he's still not a heel so he's uh kind of got the daniel bryan thing going when it comes to that yep i agree but just a really good uh showing and um when something happened to sammy like i said cole said maybe uh that kind of looked like el generico there um so Referencing El Generico out of nowhere. That's fucking weird. You haven't heard that ever. I don't. Has that ever been stated in WWE? Referencing El Generico? Uh, not that I can recall. Unless it happened on when he was in NXT, I wouldn't think so. That seems like something Vince would fucking blow his lid over. Well, I'm glad it happened here. Hold on, let me open a... Okay, anyways. Uh, <laughs> what? Open a Steve Weiser? What? Modella? What? Gelada? What? Lamont and Saul? What? Sorry. Anyways. Um, so we had a Viking funeral for the New Day presented by Eric and Ivar. Uh, um, <laughs> what the fuck? It, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, cool. You know, but, um. Uh, I like on-location vignettes. That's that's always fun. We'll just get to the match when we get there. But anyways, Liv Morgan came out. She had a match um, with uh, Shotzi Blackheart. And they... I can't remember, honestly, a lot of details in this match. I'm just going to be completely honest. Uh, but Liv Morgan won. What I do remember afterwards is Shayna Baszler attacking her, threatening to break Morgan's arm, ripping it out of the fucking sling that was in or brace or whatever she had on her arm and uh, was about to do it and then let her have it back and said, I'm going to do it in Cardiff instead. Uh, 
when she can do it and take the title at the same time. So I thought that was awesome. And by the way, is Shayna Baszler's second week? I'm just saying. She's got the, 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 the leather jacket, Chris, and then she's got the jean jacket, you know, vest over the leather jacket. I remember uh, when a guy uh, used to do that once in a while uh, in the day. Yeah. Just uh, just saying. Shayna Baszler better beat Liv Morgan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we have to we should just expect that she's going to come out with a leather Kangol hat as well. Turn backwards. Yeah, she's got to. She's got to do like yeah, the Sam Jackson fucking thing. Oh my god. Yeah. No, I thought this match was actually pretty decent. I'm just. I don't understand why Liv Morgan was or ever was champion to begin with. But here we are, and it seems like the storyline is going to be Shayna taking that title, and then eventually her and Ronda, which I'm completely fine with because we've been asking for that since Shayna was on NXT. So. It'd be cool. It'll also be cool when they uh, when Charlotte comes back wherever she shows up because I would think that she would be thrown in the mix with those two, maybe headed towards WrestleMania. Yep. All right. So the end of the event would happen with Roman Reigns coming down. He was going to have a face off with Drew McIntyre. He talked pretty much, got all the adulation, huge pop and roar from the audience. Told everyone to acknowledge him. They did, because he is the tribal chief. And started dishing into the stuff that Drew McIntyre, you know, kind of calling him out, saying that he's holding, like you were alluding to, you know, holding the company on his back. It's like, oh, okay, because I haven't really been doing that for X amount of years. Uh, okay. You know, and just having that cockiness, that arrogance, and that would bring out Drew McIntyre, who basically said that if he was a real title holder, He'd be representing the company uh, on most shows, and he would actually be at them. So they broke out onto a brawl, started beating the crap out of each other. And, uh, you know, he shoved Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, went for a Claymore kick. And out of nowhere, I don't even know where the fuck he came. Sami Zayn came in the way, pushed Reigns out of the way, and nailed him. Uh, And then Reigns, I think, hit him with like a Superman punch. Uh, but McIntyre kind of recovered and finally got another Claymore from out of nowhere to end the segment and to stand tall. So good way to go out. Um, and what will Sammy be rewarded for his efforts of trying to save the tribal chief, Chris? Well, it's Roman Reigns and, and Reigns did eat the kick. So probably nothing. <laughs> Reigns would be like, you didn't bring a chair or anything. You just came in there and got kicked <laughs> in the face. That's part of what makes Roman so great right now in his current role. Uh, the real question is going to be like, is is Paul Heyman going to be in Cardiff? Since he got, you know, F5'd and has been injured for a while. So that that's uh, it's going to be an interesting match. I, you know, I'm assuming that Roman's still going to walk out champion. But uh, yeah, it me too. Sh- should be fun. I'm glad that Drew doesn't have the fucking sword anymore. Especially since he bent it, chopping a rope in half like <laughs> like a month <laughs> month ago. <laughs> it's supposed to be sharp. 
I think they should change his match card photos where he doesn't have the sword as well. Like, uh, yeah, if they, if you're rebranding him to not have that as part of his gimmick, like change, make sure you change everything. Cause I saw that they showed the match card for Cardiff and they're still using my old photo with him in the fucking <laughs> sword. Sorry. I have such a problem with this, but like, you can't use a sword as a weapon in wrestling. Like it's, it's fucking not, stupid. <laughs> you can't, it's stupid. We 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 dealt with the baseball bat because it was Sting, you know what I'm saying? But even, but like a sword, like what are you gonna do now? Come out with a fucking Uzi? I mean, the difference Tony D'Angelo is gonna do. Sting's baseball bat was out of necessity because he was fighting like 35 members of NWO. Like going point. going against Happy Corbin, you don't need a fucking sword. <laughs> I'm gonna go on a limb and say that's a very good point, man. <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right. Well, our last show was also last night, as we record on a Saturday in this nice little... Uh, well, it's not morning anymore. It's 3.10. But I am on my... I've had a couple beers. I'll just admit that. So we start off Rampage with Swerve in our glory going against Private Party. This is a fun match. I mean, this was to give, obviously, Swerve in our glory a win. But I like Private Party in this. I like... The little, we already talked about the promo that built it up with them, you know, just having a, I think that especially Mark Quinn is getting better at the mic part of everything. So they had a good match. And um, when they lost, you know, they were at least, I guess, since they're not with Matt Hardy anymore, they're baby faces because they were cool and shaking each other's hands and whatnot. But uh, this was uh, this was fine. I don't really know what else to say about it, Chris. Yeah, it was a good match, and then they, you know, they got kicked out of Andrade's group or the whatever Andrade Hardy's group, and they've been baby faces since then. But uh, good win for what Swerve in our glory is the tag name. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing much more to say about that other than it was a decent match, and Private Party's kind of changed up their look quite a bit. But uh, yeah. Nothing too crazy. I mean, Keith Lee ran fucking wild at one point in the match, which was fun to watch. Yep, absolutely. So I guess the next few matches, uh, they're pretty much not squash match. Well, the second one was definitely a squash match. But first up, we had Hook versus Zach Clayton. Zach Clayton. I mean, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. He's really confident on the mic, but apparently he's a reality TV star. If you guys think this is your Logan Paul, I'm I'm sorry, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I mean, he ducked and got the fucking red rum. Boom. Hook's got the uh, belt still. Yeah, so I don't know who this guy is either as far as reality TV goes. I mean, he's obviously not like 30 million followers deep on YouTube like Logan Paul is, but... Uh... Yeah, they didn't put him over, so I guess it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> he just got choked out. He did do the very like most basic ass Rick Rude promo on the way to the ring, so they tried to give the guy something. But um, apparently, he's from the Jersey Shore, which makes me like him even less. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know enough about that. I mean, I think I, I, I know Snooky. That was a thing. She was on Mania one time, right? Oh Jesus. Um, with with Trish and John Morrison, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, this is fine. I mean, they gave the guy a promo, so they didn't just completely bury him. And then he got a, 
he got choked the fuck out like real quick. This is like one of the quickest matches I've seen in AEW. And uh, outside of that, the only other thing I can say about this match is they finally acknowledged that Action Bronson and put him over for Hook's theme song. <laughs> no shit. Which was, which was cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think I, I what was. I can't remember what the the name of the the group that um, Giovanni Rabisi's uh, character, the mob boss, created in the offer, but they were pretty mad about being depicted as mobsters when they were literally mobsters and that whole entire negative look. I wish that they, since apparently they're still an organization, I'm Italian, that's why I'm saying this, uh, would have gone after the people in fucking Jersey Shore. As hard as they did in the 70s with mafia movies, but I'm just saying. But just all of Jersey in general should have went after the people on Jersey Shore. I've been to the no Jersey shit. Shore several times when I was living in Passaic, and uh, it's nothing like that stupid show. Can 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 confirm. Ocean uh, Ocean City is a really nice place. Yep. Uh, well, actually, I don't know, but I'll take your word for it. Um <laughs> Serpentico got his ass whooped too um, against Buddy Matthews, but this was more for Buddy to beat him really quickly, and then Miro came and threw Malachi Black's mask to the ramp, and we don't really know what exactly happened. Did he take out Malachi Black? We'll have to find out, basically. What do you think happened, Chris? It was insinuated that he jumped Malachi Black somewhere backstage, but we didn't see it because that would be the only re- way he would have gotten the mask, I would think. Uh, and then he beat, yeah. he beat the shit out of Buddy Murphy. And he still has this weird thing with uh, Julia Hart, which makes me think they're going to set up some kind of fucking tag match, which I don't care for at all. Well, Lana is rumored to be coming soon, so. Or, yeah, uh, Lana uh, and Julia CJ Hart. Perry. And- Lana and CJ Perry in any type of match, or, or N- Natalie Hart and CJ Perry in any type of match together, I wouldn't be super excited about. I do like the Miro storyline, and he fucking hit one hell of a fucking thrust kick on Buddy Murphy. <laughs> it sounded like a fucking like a cannon took off his goddamn head. Yeah, so I'm happy. Miro's think, was that back a little and- stiff skis? It looks a little stiff skis. I don't know if Miro, Miro uh, overshot the target or if Buddy was just too close or what. But I think Buddy was too close. It looked like he just stretched his fucking foot and smacked got, him right in the face. He got fucking machka'd pretty hard on that one. The fucking, you know, giant meet the balls. Um, well, we haven't seen Penelope Ford in a while. Uh, Kip Sabian has been doing this thing where he's following Pac and putting a box over his head. I don't really care or no, but um, as much as I don't give a fuck about Kip Sabian within AEW, his significant other, Penelope Ford, I actually do. And she hasn't been around in a while. I think she's good in the ring. I, her look's great. And she's back to lose once again to Athena, a.k.a. the former Ember Moon. They had a good match. Um, but Athena was going to go over and I knew that and it just sucks because I feel like Penelope Ford has been there since the beginning and I, I don't feel this with a lot of people, but she's one of the original, I wish she was taken a little more seriously. I'll just put it that way. 
But I do love Athena, uh, and that's fine for her to get a win. I like Penelope Ford. I missed her fucking theme song, so I was pissed about that. Uh, or did she just start in the ring? Because that happens sometimes on Rampage. No, you missed uh, it, man, because I was jamming. Okay. All right, cool. I just fucking missed it then. Damn it. Uh, no, it's cool to see her back. It sucks that she took a loss here, but the entire storyline is to just continue this Jade Cargill thing, which is not great for Athena since Chris Statlander is hurt. Mm. So now she is by herself versus the baddies in Jade Cargill, unless they find her some help somewhere. At, at first, when they were doing this, I was like, are they going to run Sasha out? And I was like, but it's Rampage, so it's recorded, so probably not. Um, that'll be interesting to see. They, 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 they're going to have to bring someone in um, from somewhere. I don't know, maybe like an Io Shirai or someone, not Io Shirai, but a, a Kerry Zane or, or someone from Japan that maybe had, has worked with Athena. Because right now it's going to be her versus the baddies, and there's no one else really to put her with because they're all squared off in other things at the moment. Seems like I it, yeah. Heard NXT UK is done. Maybe get Bea Priestley. That's definitely a thought. I wonder who's going to be coming over here because, like, they've already gotten rid of shit. They got rid of Mark Andrews. They got rid of a lot of their big names they had over there. So I wonder if B, since she's injured anyways, when she gets out, if she's going to be taken and put into NXT or what the fuck they're going to do. But they're, they're, uh, that's actually a good announcement. I guess they, I, I, I don't know if they're just redoing NXT UK or, and they're also making it NXT Europe or if they're getting rid of that and they're making one that's going to be set up for all of Europe. And now they're trying to figure out exactly who they want to bring in. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people, uh, and a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people let go, uh, at the end of their contracts over NXT UK. So. Yeah, that and uh, they started bringing in, we, we kind of have seen, which I haven't been keeping up with NXT 2.0 that hard, but we've, there's been sprinkles of people from that tournament dripped in, or from that show dripped in. For instance, Tyler Bates showed back up. Um, uh, pretty, as, pretty deadlies in the uh, tag division on NXT. Yeah, so my assumption is that they have just disbanded that entire thing. Um, could be wrong, but I, I would not be surprised as it wasn't really making them any kind of money or profit. It was just a development territory. So it'll we'll find out. It's cool to see Tyler Bates back. That's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler's fucking awesome. So I they, would like to like, see him get treated well over here though. So one thing that they kind of fucked up with, it was a giveaway of something going on with NXT UK is that they showed him with the title. But if you're watching NXT UK on a weekly basis, he hadn't won the title yet. Oh, so yeah, it's one of, it's one of those kind of things of like, yeah, it seems like they're just maybe shutting it down, which sucks for, because there was a lot of people employed there and that sucks, but they're definitely doing an NXT Europe. Because I just read an article that that's like one of the next things they're doing. So maybe they're just shutting it down for now, rebuilding it over there and taking certain stars and combining them with whoever. But I would have just honestly myself, if that's the case, I would have kept the UK place and then tried one of the other places like Australia or Japan or 
you know, somewhere a little bit different, not as close, but I don't know. Hunter's, uh, do, what, what the hell did he call it? I guess he's trying to get back on his uh, global localization. Was the term he made up? I don't remember. To yeah, expand. I mean, it's good that they're, well, I mean, they're taking away production from one show. So, I mean, we may not ever see NXT Europe. It could just be a localized thing to Europe. Yeah. Hey, and I will say, I mean, even though you would think that Ilya would want to go over there, if, if Tyler Bate, Ilya Dragunov, certain people like that, B. Priestley, they're too talented. Uh, what, what's the other, the, the Japanese female wrestler, Chris, that had the title? I think dropped uh, it to B, and then she got injured. Um, God damn it. Sata, Sata, Sata Yamori, is that was that it? No, no. Um, if apologize for forgetting, it's my fault, and I put Chris on the spot too. But uh, she's fucking incredible. So certain other people, especially she's a little bit older. She's been in the game for a while, and she was one of the uh, the big coaches I think over at Stardom. I can't believe I can't remember her. Uh, Satamara. Uh, Mako Satamara, you know, you take a couple of those people, Tyler Bate, put them in NXT, it'll give me more of a reason to want to watch NXT. So, who knows? Right, and we were already, unless there was like a big match on NXT UK, it's something that I've kind of fallen off of a, a, a while back. And it's nothing about the quality of the show or anything, it's just there's a lot of fucking wrestling. Yeah, but like I said, if you put Tyler Bate, Ilya Dragunov, B. Priestley, Mako Satamara... And put them in the NXT ranks. That would actually probably be beneficial for everyone. Um, keep the belt on Tyler. Have that be another, I guess, belt. I don't know. Actually, probably take the belt and just get rid of it. But whatever. Uh, do you want to talk about the main event? Yeah, let's get into it. We had the Trust Busters. Uh, so Sunny Kiss last week ended up screwing over and kicking Orange Cassidy in the ding dong. Um, and now is a part of them, but uh, she was in their corner with Ari Davari, Parker Bardot, and Slim J, going against Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta. Uh, JR Pop for, um, I don't know if he just didn't realize that Jane is now the music for Orange Cassidy, but uh, he, he got very excited about that, him and uh, uh, Chris Jericho. So I thought him and Jericho were better on this than they were on Dynamite, but might have just been... I don't know. They they're getting loopy towards that last like fourth hour in which they actually record. Cause you gotta realize, guys, when you go to Dynamite, you start off watching Dark, you watch Dynamite, and then you watch Rampage. That's a long fucking time to be uh going back and forth and shit. But anyways. Um This match was fine. Once again, unfortunately, I don't remember a lot of it. But uh, Davari's always been good, so I'm glad to see him have a position. I'm going to say the obvious. I know that I'm assuming Parker's with Ari Davari and Slim J because they have experience and stuff like that, and they can kind of help him out with in-ring stuff. But I didn't think he was that bad when he was in the ring. He's definitely not as graceful as his uh, people, the, the person, Brock Lesnar, that people compare him to because they look exactly the fuck alike. But I don't think he's a, a lost cause or anything like that. And, uh, you know, the best friends ended up winning, but pretty good match, you know. Um, what do you think about Parker Bardot? Do you, I think he's better off in this scenario, Chris, than as Harland in fucking NXT. 
Uh, he's way better here. He doesn't have like shaved eyebrows and whatever the hell <laughs> they were doing with him there. Um, I mean, this is just a a beginning for him. He'll eventually start getting singles wins and de- demolish this group. I mean, they're pretty much just there for him to kill at some point, right? Um, but yeah, he hit one spot where he clotheslined. It was it was at the very beginning of the match. He had a clothesline. And he hit it with so much force. Yes, he, he actually tossed himself out of the ring, which was not on purpose, and landed on his feet. And I think commentary did a good job of covering that up. But outside of that, everything else was just pretty kind of standard wrestling. And I thought he he looked fine. Um, Trent Beretta looked like a million bucks, like he always does in this match. And it. it so it's kind of just we I, I didn't think the best friends were going to lose here to begin with. Um, Sony Kiss. I don't understand why they didn't keep Joey Janela around and have them be a tag team, because that's the most interesting thing either of them have done in a long period of time. I thought that that was a fun tag team with those two. Especially with the yeah. cool vignettes they had for him. So I, I'm still baffled. I, this is the first time I've seen Sony Sony Kiss and like like consistently on the televised show in a long ass time. Nope. And, and she deserves it, man. Um, I, uh, I, I, I like Sunny kiss. I always have, I ever since, you know, um, Lucha underground, another person that kind of came from that. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, Parker Bardot, <sighs> He has a shit ton of potential based on his look. Yes, he looks like Brock Lesnar. Here's the problem, though, and I alluded to this. He can be more like Goldberg, if you will, as far as a worker. I, I, Brock Lesnar is an anomaly. People that big don't usually work that well in the ring. Now, everyone wants to downplay Brock Lesnar because he just did less is more later on in his career. But what he was able to do with his strength, his agility, his speed, you know, Honestly, if if he didn't fuck up that shooting star in WrestleMania, people would have really perceived him differently because he used to do that night in, night out in OVW. But Brock Lesnar is a wrestling fucking freak. You know, it's it's like when people talk about Andre, how he was able to do fucking, you know, drop kicks and 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 and, you know, elbows off the top ropes and all this agile shit. And he's this huge guy. It doesn't mean that a guy that looks like him isn't going to end up being a worker more like the great Kali. So we'll find out with Parker, but you look like Brock Lesnar. That's great. Let's see how you work. And if he ends up being someone that's more limited, like a Bill Goldberg or anything like that and has more intensity, that's fine. Just find a happy medium to show him off, I would say. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Lesnar had the privilege of working with both Paul Heyman and Jim Cornette, who know more about wrestling than me and you combined, probably. And that yeah. definitely did not hurt him. And uh, it, the, just there's small things that Lesnar does that either makes you love him or hate him, uh, like it, just the way he reacts to things his facial expressions and stuff. And then some of that just comes with time, but like Lesnar will like hit a suplex and then give the, give the hard cam, like a little smile, like a little shit eating grin of like, Devious. I'm about to murder this guy. Um, so there, you know, Lesnar is the anomaly, even though he was a guy that it never necessarily was in love with wrestling, but you know, so was Sting, and he's the fucking icon. Yep. So, uh, not everyone has to live, eat, sleep, breathe wrestling like a Kenny Omega. 
um, there are guys that are really good at it that maybe didn't grow up loving it as much. But uh, yeah, like if he can get to being like 70% of a Brock Lesnar, he's going to be a fucking great wrestler for them. Absolutely. Um, but a lot of potential, uh, good rampage, and uh, good shows throughout the whole entire week, man. Uh, we're pretty much 30 minutes early, but I think we can wrap it up. And uh, good wrestling. Is that weird? I, I didn't get a chance to watch Impact. Hopefully that was good as well. Everything you're telling me from the G1, New Japan's, you know, doing really well. But obviously it's, it's going to be WWE and AEW, just like WWF and WCW for American wrestling. And both of them, they had really good shows with uh, a lot less for me to say negatively about them. Yeah, I plan on watching. I've recorded Impact, so I'm going to watch it today. But uh, because of the G1, I but Impact has been kind of on pause for me as a, a a subsidized value. I guess if 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 WWE obviously is WWF and AEW is WCW, is Impact now kind of like ECW? I know that GCW would want to be that, but like as far as like the third biggest wrestling organization. That's still very, very small in comparison. It's I would say that they're more like Ring of Honor, like when you had WWE Impact and then Ring of Honor. Okay, yeah, that's a good example. I, I would think that would be. But yeah, yeah, I mean, GCW definitely wants to be ECW. <laughs> as long as you don't have guys jerking off. Uh... Uh, I ha- like I said, that is just what I've heard. I have not seen the match, so I'm not. I mean, if that is the case, I, I know that I would hate it anyways. <laughs> but <coughs> God, I thought it was the kiss. I was like, why is everyone getting mad about that? Like, I've seen so many wrestlers do that spot to fucking demasculate or just be funny, especially Roddy Piper. I mean, he was fucking Piper was crazy back in the day. Yeah, I think it's uh, Effie took it like one step further. God damn it, Effie. Anyways, <laughs> well, I guess that's a show, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you're a new listener, you can find us on any downloadable platform. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, uh, whether that be you know uh, YouTube Music or iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just Google if you want Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Find the platform that works for you. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating, anything that you can do to help us out. Uh, we would appreciate it, really. But, uh, Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people and give out any of your tags or anything, wh- whatever you want to say. Sure, goodbye, lovely people out there. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at Chris R. Patton. On Facebook and Instagram, Christopher.R.Patton. Spelled as General Patton, P-A-T-T-O-N. Um, hope everyone has a wonderful weekend and uh, excited to watch wrestling next week. Absolutely. And you can find me at Dane Alves 42 on Twitter or Dane Alves on either Facebook or Instagram. That's A-L-V-E-S, V as in Victor. That's what I tell people over the phone. Anyways, get a hold of me. We'll talk. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You have a great day, night, whatever you're doing, whenever you're doing it. Just come back and listen to us next week. Peace out. Let the wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you.